Would you like to come to my house and listen to some music? Ooh, that's cool. Fruity, get the car. Assemble your crew. I'll be outside. Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Uh... Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Black History Month. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker and Alex, and we watched Purple Rain. Wow, we really did sync that up, huh? We look like <laughs> fucking assholes, dude. <laughs> it's like on the level of wearing sunglasses in a club, which we will talk plenty about. Oh, I hope so, because... Uh, oh, by the way, the good news, this is the first movie I've ever watched where the club scenes were ones where I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> you're like time. rooting for them to go back to the club and then <laughs> exactly. you're like, they, they, they leave you're like fuck I miss the club and then he gets on his big stupid purple motorcycle and you're like never mind I'm good yeah pretty much I took like no notes but I want to talk about this for three hours <laughs> it's so good Yeah, I, don't I can't have a believe whole you guys hadn't it. seen this you know this it's is a weird. movie I just... that I would know that I would love and I would probably would have gone my whole life without seeing but like, I'll get to that and then just kept pushing it down and then never saw it so, weirdly enough, I was actually going to go see it at the Alamo, like, either last year or two years ago or something like that, and I don't remember why I didn't get the chance. I think I might have been working when it was out there. I was like, imagine seeing this in the theater. Buddy, when they do that again, you have my number. Oh, absolutely. I can't I mean, imagine if I'd want to do a movie party or if that would be the worst experience of my life. Well, I don't know. Uh... The thing about this movie is that 1984 was the year of Prince. He had the number one album, he had the number one song, he had the number one movie. Prince was on top of the world. So I can only imagine what the sort of people who would like see this movie would be in the 2020 or something like that would be. You know? Like, I just... I feel like his coolness transcends generations, but also if I talked to like a 17-year-old, they wouldn't know who he was. And it makes me mad. <laughs> oh, we gotta go full boomer this episode. I'm pretty excited. God, yeah, yes, we are. Th- this is finally so my episode. I hope you guys are ready for the first four-hour one. Okay, second four-hour one. Okay, so uh, before we get into that, Parker, do we have any news? Did anything interesting happen? Uh, actually, I actually totally forgot to look. That's an oopsie on me. Uh, stock market. I don't know. I'm tired of hearing all these GameStop jokes by now. Oh, Let's move yeah. on with it, folks. We're done. Please stop talking about stocks. Please stop. Please. I'm begging you. <laughs> Dude, I was the, I was there like 20 minutes after it broke. <laughs> it was like, oh man, we're getting the bad guys. Cool. And then you tab over. It's like, fuck man, I could have made $50 this morning if I were paying attention. Okay, alright, that's enough. Dude, what up? Should I hold or sell? Like, I don't care, man. I don't care. It's not my yeah. money. Yeah, that's... Some of the things on there were a little bit funny for a little bit, and then it went too far. I like that Tendy Man song. That was a little funny. 
<laughs> I've been thinking about the Tandy Man all week. <laughs> like, no other part of the song, just the existence of the Tandy Man who gives money to people. How about that? My jerk of the week is also anyone who keeps posting stonks memes at me. Uh, I'm over it. Uh, yeah, enough of that. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. My jerk of the week is the Detroit Lions for not trading Matthew Stafford to my Philadelphia Eagles for Carson Wentz. My jerk of the week is Alex for putting that in my head. You know, when you have two quarterbacks of that caliber on the roster... <laughs> I fucking hate them. But what if we got value for both of them? <gasps> I fucking hate those guys. <laughs> if they traded for Deshaun Watson, they would have been like, well, you know, if Wentz beats him out in training camp... <laughs> Look, say what you will about the shithead Eagles fans in our Discord, <laughs> but one of them brought up the value of their assets, and I replied with, you know what keeps me warm at night? My degrees. <laughs> and I was really happy with it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Shit. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm in the exact age group that can reference, you know, skits on Kanye's first album, and people will get it. <laughs> I just love that Eagles fans had one fucking moment of happiness, and they're just back to being the worst insufferable shitheads. Really? You love that? Because I don't. I wish uh, I wish they never won. I wish my Patriots were able to get another one. I'm thinking about that this is what they took from me meme, but it's just EaglesTrophyCase.jpg. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was at a Super Bowl party that year with, like, an Eagles fan who was extremely happy about it, and, like, everybody wanted her to win, because she's a gen genuinely wonderful person. And I just looked at everybody afterwards, I'm like, you guys are re gonna regret this in, like, two years. You're gonna regret pulling for the Eagles. Like, trust me. Turns out Patriots you, uh, fans, we know what they've got prepared for us. We know what's in store. <laughs> you guys don't want to deal with this. Just trust me. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my actual like, jerk... Not all of us eat horse shit. It's like, no, that guy's the coolest dude there. <laughs> <laughs> that guy owns. So my actual jerk of the week is... <laughs> this is just for Josh. Uh, I was playing trivia uh, earlier today, and they have... The, we go into, like, YouTube, and, like, we follow along with, like, this live thing. It's kind of on the honor system. And there's a, a chat there. It's, like, a live chat on YouTube. And... One of the mods there hates both me and Josh with a passion. And uh, I don't even remember what I posted. I, I said some. We were getting all of our comments deleted, no matter what. It was, like, for stupid reasons. One of my <laughs> comments was in all caps, and he decided to delete it because of that. Uh, I think the rule was no yelling. <laughs> and uh, so Josh and I were like, let's see what we can get away with. And Josh just posted something innocuous like, I love trivia. Uh, and he, he was like, okay, that didn't get deleted. Bill backed him up by saying, uh, there's a thin line between love and hate. And I followed up with, uh, <laughs> there's nothing thin about Josh's love. That did not get deleted. So. All right. Yeah. I was like, again, we're pushing the boundaries here. So to the baleful idiot known as PHT, uh, Ian. Dude, you and me, it's on site. You can't just delete me like this. Yeah, I you were telling a story a about you and Josh. Regular girl. <laughs> you and Josh pushing the envelope, and my butthole tightened about what he was going to say next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh will really burn the whole thing down on me. <laughs> there will be no more trivia. Well, you okay, guys said let's... people who annoy you. Message deleted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love Let's... my racist Jewish boy so much. <laughs>
you guys mentioned this, I think, last episode. I finally watched Lupin the Third, The Castle of Cagliostro. Oh, my God. Nice. Okay, I've mentioned before that I've had an, at best, changeable relationship with Hayao Miyazaki. Boy, this is one that's, like, so far above and beyond all his other movies. This is my favorite one from him. This is so good. And what's wild about it is this is one of the earliest anime movies that I've ever seen. It came out in 1979, if you can believe that. And as such, the animation doesn't look anywhere near as good as it does on pretty much anything else he's ever done. Like, it doesn't, it's not going to look as good as Spirited Away or uh, Nausea in the Valley of the Wind or any of those other ones. But the way that it looks is kind of perfect. It just, it looks stylized. It looks like it follows the manga or whatever, which ordinarily I, I kind of like try to give myself some history. Oh, I'll read like the comic book or I'll watch some of the episodes of the TV show. I didn't do it. I just kind of like walked into this because apparently that's how most audiences did. And here's the good news about this movie. You don't need to watch anything else. You can just watch this movie and it's wonderful. It is almost perfect. Uh... I, I liked just about everything about it. This is something you could put down in front of a child and they would have a great time. I think one of the things I liked about it is that it's a straight adventure movie. Not just a heist, although it's a great heist movie, but it's a real adventure movie. We don't have a lot of those anymore. I don't know what happened there. I truly lament the death of adventure movies with all my heart. But if you're going to make an expensive movie, it better pre-exist in some way. So we just don't get those anymore. Mm-hmm. But my god, I... I I want to just watch people go rob a castle for two hours more than anything on Earth. I, I genuinely might buy this Blu-ray. It is so, so good. And I can understand now why Lupin Third was such a popular entity in uh, Japan. See, I had heard about it. I mean, being on the internet, you're going to hear about some anime at some point. And Unfortunately. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. But with this one, I remember hearing about it and thinking, wait, isn't that like a French guy? Arsène Lupin? Isn't, isn't that like a French thing? It's like, oh yeah, they took it and they adapted it. And apparently it's the most popular anime of all time. Besides what? Pokemon or something? And, yeah, it's been going uh, for decades on decades on decades apparently now. Apparently it's like 50 years old. Hell like, yeah. that is kind of astonishing. It's uh, Really, it's impressive. I, I have to admit, I'm, uh, I'm definitely impressed. But I was like thinking, man, I don't know if I would ever get into that. I mean, I'd have to go back to the fucking 1970s to watch it. And I'm, I kind of have the Parker thing where it's like a movie from the <laughs> like 1970s. That's, like that stopped you before. Exactly. Yeah. So well, there's different I mean, versions. Yeah. just watched how many seasons of Star Trek? <laughs> well, that's from the 60s, dipshit. Let's bully this fu- motherfucker. Idiot. I'm over this. <laughs> also, there's multiple different versions of it. I watched the one that ran on Adult Swim religiously. I fucking love that show. I remember I uh, I walked into this movie totally blind uh, when they were doing their one of their yearly theater theater revivals of Miyazaki, and it just happened to be a night that I was available, so I went to go see this. I had seen a couple episodes of the anime like on Adult Swim like forever ago, but I didn't really know anything about it. And I fan. walked out of the theater, and my 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 first like my 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 pervasive fucking thought was. Is this what Japanese kids have instead of Scooby Doo? It's not fair, oh, right? Yeah, that it's is absolutely such bullshit. Because <laughs> the version on Adult Swim, he is much hornier the entire time for Fujiko, who he no, refers no. to almost solely as Fuji Cakes, which really does a lot for me. Oh. <laughs> uh, it turns out she's good. actually yeah, that Fujiko character is not even in this movie, which I guess would have made it maybe a PG thirteen. But the movie's fine as a PG. You know, you can just watch it the way that it is. It's just all right. Uh, Big which I kind of like about it. 
Well, that's the thing. It's like that's one of the things about a lot of anime movies is you kind of get that that thing with the way that women are drawn in most of these movies with like the bouncing tits and everything you don't get that in this one i i think it's better for it uh maybe it was because it was 1979 before they invented titties in anime but uh I, again it's it's better that way i mean that's the thing about it is is a movie an anime movie or an anime of any kind released in the 1970s is so markedly different from uh, a 90s anime, you know? Or or even a, a late 80s anime such as uh, Fist of the North Star. This is kind of an anachronism. I mean, when I think of anime, the oldest one I could think of is uh, from the 1960s would be Speed Racer, which is... Oh, I mean, Let's that's get Daedra and watch some Astro Boy together. We'll have a real good time. <laughs> okay, I'm not watching Astro Boy. I but, think uh, you would dig the one that was on Adult Swim. I don't know if it was just the localization, but the portrayal of Lupin in there is... Full gear, one thousand percent, little stinker, which is what wasn't, you want. Wasn't Astro Boy? Didn't they make that into a movie? Uh, I think maybe. They did. I think they did. Oh, I never wanted fuck. to watch Astro Boy because he's in his underwear the entire time. I'm like, I Japan, I know you too well for this. I don't think I'm. Gonna <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, being in your underwear all the time and being in your underwear all the time in a Japanese piece of media are very, very <laughs> polar opposite. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, actually, so, it's not a boy; it's a robot. I'll stop you there. Don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Exiting the. I am disengaging from this conversation. Oh, okay. That so much for Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro, which up to a point was the best movie I watched this uh, this weekend. So I also watched two uh, movies from Snake Way. Thank you so much, Parker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just hearing it fills my heart with joy. Oh, yeah. This one is called <laughs> Shadow in the Cloud. Uh, this is... Uh, now, this was a sign for two reasons. One, Parker said, oh yeah, they're reptiles in the sky. That makes sense to me. Uh, that's not really why he assigned it. He assigned it because the script was written initially by Max Landis, who... Uh, oh, your boy. Hey, yeah, look, man. He, our... Whatever you gotta do to get from A to B, okay? <laughs> <laughs> It was close I actually enough. forget which one Max Landis is. I just assume he's canceled. Yeah, he's a he's a canceled one. Very very canceled, as it turns out. Turns well, out know, this guy's really weird. When you write things like Bright, it's really hard to cancel someone. Oh, this yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he, he wrote Star Bright, Wars, baby. Dude, he also like... groomed women and stuff. I mean, yeah, but that's like half of them. Like, you got to be more specific. Half of the Landis's? Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, Shadow in the Cloud. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, so... I know he's not the other one that cheated at the Tour de France. <laughs> so, here's the thing wow. about... Uh... So, before oh, I talk about from. the movie... More... Before I talk about the movie, I want to talk about the script here. So, Max Landis wrote in right off the bat, I'm like, oh, I don't want to see this. Not just because, like, he's a sex bust, but more so the fact that I saw Bright, and I know this guy can't write for shit. But uh, in doing some research about this, uh, the only reason he even got credit on this is due to rules within the Writers Guild of America. He did write the script. He put his name on it and everything. But it was kind of one of those like scripts where he just put it out there and Hollywood sees it like, eh, make a movie around that. And then they change everything and they have to leave your name on it and you still get like $10,000 because you sold a script. Uh, which is basically what happened. The director... Uh, what was her name? Was it Rose Leong? Something like that. Uh, I think she's from New Zealand or something. Uh, she got the scrapbook and went, Ugh, and kind of just turned into uh, her own movie. She rewrote 
basically everything. I don't know if Max Landis has any of his original dialogue still in the movie. Uh, and now it's her own. And unfortunately, it caught a lot of flack because people were like, oh no, a Max Landis movie, how dare you direct? People were turning their ire on her. And she's just the director. And the she rewrote all his lines. This isn't her fault. Uh, yet. But uh, they were like, oh, how could you support him like this? She's not supporting him. She's just trying to make a movie. And it's not exactly easy for women in Hollywood to make their movie. Um, anyway, this also stars Chloe Grace Moretz. It's a good thing we're not writing this down because I don't know which vowel to put the double dots above. Uh, hey, remember so. her? <laughs> how no, could I no. forget? She's in everything. Is she? <laughs> she was for like three years and then just fell off the face of the earth. And now she's Chris, in buddy. The Gremlins. And Jerry. Oh my god! Uh, and just wait, knowing Parker. that it'll land on HBO Max in that day, I can send him a 1080p file with "oops" as the caption. It really does a lot for me. <laughs> it's you know what's interesting is that uh, Parker wasn't she uh, wasn't she Carrie in the remake of Carrie? Oh my god, she sure was. Among the dumbest yeah, poor Chloe Grace Moretz, <laughs> just such an ugly <laughs> fucking loser, getting bullied all day. Whatever movie. Okay, time to actually talk about the movie. So, it takes place in World War II. Now, if anyone understands the word gremlins, what it actually comes from is not the 1984 movie. It actually comes from World War II, the idea that gremlins were this mythical creature that got inside your plane and fucked things up. What that really referred to is inattentive uh, mechanics and pilots who didn't take care of their planes and then it would fall, uh, they'd fall apart in the sky and uh, you, you couldn't kill Nazis then. So... She has to get into a plane, and uh, she's carrying with her a basket. And inside the basket is classified intel or something like that, under no circumstances when you open the basket. She gets into a plane, there's a whole bunch of men, and uh, they're really, really sexist. Like, they're really leaning hard into this. But it's not cringeworthy or anything. It's, like, totally fine. This isn't, like, Black Christmas 2019 or Charlie's Angels 2019. It's it's actually, I'm not saying, well, it's actually kind of tasteful, but it's like, this seems realistic. This seems like how people in the 1940s would have talked. And it's important to grapple with this sort of thing. Up to this point, I'm really enjoying it. The music is fantastic. And it's almost John Carpenter-esque in the way that they utilize uh, very limited assets in this movie. She has to, when she gets inside the plane, they force her into like this sort of... Uh, turret uh in like this sort of bulb shaped thing beneath the plane and she spends the first 45 to 50 minutes of the movie inside this thing she doesn't move from there and for just chloe grace moretz looking kind of worried in this thing it plays wonderfully like they're they're flying in the storm she isn't sure what she can see it's very very cold in there because there's uh broken glass in there so the cold air is rushing in uh she has to leave her classified intelligence up in the uh the rest of the, I don't know, the cabin of the plane and they're able to radio down into her and they're like making disgusting comments they clearly don't trust her um and like the tensions building the drama's building and like you're really interested like hey what's going on what's in that basket what's you know the intel and she's seeing gremlins she's seeing gremlins out on the plane you're like holy shit this might be a great movie For the first 45 to 50 minutes i was like this is one of the best movies that I saw from 2020. I'm dead serious. I almost texted Parker, dude, you gotta watch Shadow in the Cloud. I thought this was another instance of, like, Teen Titans go to the movies, where it's like, oh, wait, this is, like, actually good. 
And then what happens? And then something extraordinarily stupid happens. Uh, she goes outside the plane. Now, if you think back to like the the Fast and the Furious movies or even the Mad Max movies, when they go outside the car and they're just like on the outside, they're like climbing through the car. You're like, oh man, that's so dangerous. You can't just do that, dude. When you're like climbing on the outside of a plane and just holding on, when it's like <laughs> flying up there. <laughs> hey, those like, World War Two planes are pretty sturdy. She's probably fine. Yeah, it was so silly. <laughs> Me spitting out my popcorn and saying, hey, you can't do that, and then immediately putting on Mission Impossible. <laughs> See, so here's the thing. Well, yeah, but Tom uh, Cruise is a man, so it makes sense, right? I have yeah, a feeling true. what the... <laughs> I have a feeling what the thinking was is that, like, well, if there's gremlins in the movie, then you could just suspend your disbelief. And that's not really how suspension of disbelief works. There are certain rules that you have to follow. Because if she could just survive outside the plane, then she must have superhuman powers. And, in fact, I think she does. Because at one point, um, what's she doing? She's, uh, she, she's finally able to get back into uh, the rest of the plane. And, I don't know, like a trapdoor opens and uh, she falls through. And she doesn't have a parachute. And I'm like, oh shit, I, she must be dead. Like, there's no way she's going to survive this. One of the Japanese fighter planes that's flying beneath them blows up. And the explosion blows her back into the plane. And she survives. <laughs> it is well, Chris, one uh... of the silliest things I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> I've long since said all women have superpowers, so this makes sense to me. Okay, uh, Parker, would you like me to spoil the twist? Would you like me to tell you what's in the basket? <gasps> Did A twist, you say? I would love for you to spoil it. I would not call this a twist. Uh, it's actually her baby boy that she had with <laughs> one of the that she had with one of the uh, the members of the plane. Now, I gotta tell you, that's not the stupid thing. Like, I'm watching, I'm like, Eh, you know that's all right you know it's it's not the worst reveal here i mean considering that you kind of it's a basket what else is going to be in there besides like what brad pitt's wife's head come on so i i don't know the fact that it's a baby is fine but it gets so much fucking dumber and at the end of the movie they they crash land the plane and she goes all like charlie's angels on one of the uh one of the gremlins and it's so so stupid it's actually kind of embarrassing and this is what breaks my heart. Is the first 45 to 50 minutes are great. I'd say, dude, totally watch this. It, you would love it. He spent, again, the soundtrack and everything, and it just works so well. And then they fuck it up in the last few minutes. And, it, and the movie's only, like, what, 83 minutes or something like that? So you think it's not going to be that bad? But it's such a fucking drop-down in quality. Now, uh, one last thing to make it seem like I'm not being too mean here. I will totally watch Rose Liang's next movie. If she makes one, because uh, turns out the other Laos was right. Women aren't really allowed to fail up in Hollywood. Oh, absolutely not. You are one and done. Sorry, lady. Hope you enjoy doing Disney Plus shows for the rest of your career. It's over. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's Disney Plus shows. <laughs> Good thing there's so many of them, right, buddy? I w can't wait for a drama set in Wakanda. Just seeing Ryan Coogler ink to exclusive deal just made my heart sink. Like... Oh, right. I guess no interesting movies for five years. <laughs> Great. Okay, I'm going to rearrange some of these uh, because I want to set one of these last. 
I watched the movies <laughs> from the list, and one of the problems with watching the list the way that I'm doing is I'm not just jumping around here. I'm kind of going in order. And once you get in order, I'm in like the 200s in the way that they're ranked here. Once you get into the 200s, some of these are going to be like really lousy, boring, like sub 90 minutes European You've movies. We're just like not seeing that attention. for like six months now. Are, yeah, are but they it's like talking really about? noticeable. Hold up, I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, <laughs> the good news is that some of these are actually really good. Or if they're not good, they at least stand out. I found one that both stands out and is really good. I finally watched The Hitcher. Oh, hell yes. Uh, yeah, that movie right? rips, dude. Yeah. The movie rules. Fucking Jennifer Jason Lee and Rucker Howard calling the National Guard. What a movie that works so, so well. so good in that movie. He's uh, real good. Now, I do have a complaint here, but it's not about the movie. The, movie, the complaint here is about Roger Ebert. Do you guys uh, know what Roger Ebert said about this movie? I don't have a Ouija board when he said <laughs> <laughs> Got him. I don't believe that for a second. Roger Mark, Ebert. But what if you what if you peel the wallpaper off your walls? And then... You know what, man? I've been nothing but nice to you. <laughs> you brought that upon yourself. Yeah, you can't Alex, bring not up funny for you to bring like, that wait, up. Wait, no, you, you assigned it. I didn't bring me. anything on myself. Okay, so the the complaint here is that Roger Ebert gave this film a rare zero stars, uh, which I think is also what he gave to Freddy Got Fingered. Uh, he gave it zero stars in protest because of the violence in this movie. Now, <laughs> having baby. watched this movie, what fucking violence? There's almost no violence on the screen. It's like, all sorry, implied. The nice lady got ripped apart by trucks, but like, no, 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 no. They don't it, show dude? that. They never, they never show that. It's all implied. Sorry, you imagined it, and whatever weird Christian upbringing you had made you like hate yourself. But uh, there's no blood, homie. That's on so you. The weird thing about it is, I don't know, there was some sort of debate over, it's like, do you think that this movie should be censored in some way? He said, no, uh, this, they should be allowed to make this movie, they should be allowed to sell tickets for it, and people should go watch something else. I'm like, okay, that's cool, I'll probably use that for, like, a different movie, but, dude, people missing out on this movie, they're really missing out on a classic. This movie is wonderful. I, I love just about everything about this movie. Especially Rucker Howard, obviously. But uh, I don't know, I don't remember off the top of my head who the lead actor is. Honestly, I think he's pretty good, too. Jennifer Jason Lee is wonderful, uh, of course. Uh, but one of the things that I like about this movie so much is that it kind of reminds me of Night of the Hunter. It just feels like a nightmare. I'm not interested about, like, oh, is that, like, a realistic depiction of what someone would do in that situation? Realism is not the key here. It, it feels like a nightmare. It feels like everything just keeps getting worse. This guy just keeps on following you. I, I love it just the way that it is. And it's gorgeous. Like, my God. That oh, Australian yeah. sunset. Man, that is a good-ass movie. The remake with Sean Bean is no, no. not. <laughs> the that's I a thing that exists. That. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. See, that's the thing that gets me about it is like this was a big week for me with eighty soundtracks. Like, this. It, it, what's that? What's that other movie? The um, uh, House of the Devil, and they're trying really, really hard to lean into that nineteen eighties aesthetic. You're never going to be able to recapture this feeling, are you? You're never really going to be able to recreate the Hitcher. Oh no. Well, not when Michael Bay produces it. <laughs> no, certainly not. <laughs> that movie is. Wretched. <laughs> but like when you watch The Hitcher and you Google it and you go, a remake and you see Platinum Dunes and Sean Bean, like 
I'm not gonna not watch it. That, that uh, was never up for discussion. <laughs> I mean, it just kind of uh, reemphasizes to me that 1986 might be my favorite year in movies. Uh, you got a lot of real classics in there. You got it's a good choice. Yeah, 1986 is up there. Ninja Terminator. Barely so, beats out nineteen twenty seven for you. Now, Parker, you nineteen twenty seven is in fact up there. You guessed right. Half hey, the moon and the June and the spring. Great, I love, it. <laughs> I love it. Oh man! So I, I should assign him the jazz singer. You get the you get the nineteen eighty version of the jazz singer, and Parker gets the nineteen twenty seven version of the jazz singer. Uh, spoilers: I downloaded them both because I forgot which one I had to watch. So uh, just watch you'll get my takes on both of them, oh, probably so back to back. Watch them at the same time. Oh, see if they sync up. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> it's like room two three seven. If you play one in reverse, they both have blackface at the exact same time. Good. Okay, so Parker, you picked up on the fact that I watched a lot of Mario Bava today. Um, Just because you tweeted about it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't pick up on anything. I saw it on my timeline. Okay, never mind. You reacted to it and you responded saying, I have been summoned. Because, uh, yes, because, because Mario, Bava, Mario Bava is your favorite director. Or something. I love Italian trash. <laughs> That's I also love trash. <laughs> Mario Bava, it's, I mean, it's really it's Italian racist. horror is the number one thing here is it's so difficult to understand uh, just what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, Not because they're speaking the a different language. <laughs> uh, but I don't feel like talking about Kill Baby Kill, which is one of the worst titles I've ever heard for a movie. I want to talk about A Bay of Blood, which, Parker, have you seen A Bay of Blood? Hell yeah, I have. Dude, can we just talk about the ending? It's, it's, it's pretty good. What are you talking about? <laughs> that ending. It's so cool that me. Italians like spend all this money on these like insane gore effects. Like, alright, how are you going to end it? I don't know, man. We'll figure it out in post. Don't even worry about it. We'll piece it together. So, let me tell you about A Bay of Blood. A Bay of Blood is, I would argue, the second slasher movie in history after uh, Psycho. And... It came out in 71, so it's like 11 years between Psycho and this. And you're like, wow, when you watch it, like this really does seem like it kind of set like the precedent for a lot of slasher tropes, like the first-person view, uh, moving through the woods, you know, like branches getting away in the camera and stuff like that, just a shot of the knife. A lot of the kills they actually ripped off from this movie in the Friday the 13th series. So oh, they sure like, did. Yeah, that second so one like, especially took like three kills straight from it. Right, exactly. So it's like, okay, someone found this movie to be influential. And it's a murder mystery. Everyone's killing each other so they can get, like, the inheritance of some countess. Whatever happened to counts and countesses? I don't have those anymore. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, anyway, <laughs> one of the things that they, do, that they do not do in this movie is they do not show any children until the end in which the two bad guys get fucking assassinated by their own children who have not been mentioned up to this point and then the children are like wow mommy and daddy are really good at playing dead and then they go off to play in the lake while some really happy upbeat music is playing parker you took yeah, notes on this yeah but chris uh they're italian so how would these italian children sound <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just still laughing, because you said there was a movie called Kill Baby Kill, and all I could think of was it being the sequel to The Boss Baby. <laughs> I've just been living Oh, great, another dog movie to watch. Great. <laughs> Kill Baby Kill starring Spaghetti the Pitbull. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the, the run of Bonzo movies. 
Oh no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come on, we have to face Bonzo. We can't, can't just do Bonzo all the time. Uh, Disagree. That can be our shtick. <laughs> now, Parker, you asked what the what the children sound like. They sound like the kid from Pod People. If you remember him, <laughs> he should not sound like. Hey, my mom and dad. <laughs> I love anti-Italian racism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this episode's gonna be a fucking nightmare. I can feel okay, it. Don't worry. don't worry, I only have two more. And one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm but actually... I know what one of them is, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, this one I'm actually really excited to mention. So I mentioned uh, Lupin the Third, right? Castle Cagliostro. And I found a movie on So It Goes that was related to it. I was like, oh my god. And the reason I watched a Castle of Cagliostro is not just because you two liked it, although that was definitely a big part. It was like, I should watch it just to prepare for Lupin the Third, the first. Have either of you heard of this? Yes, but only because I scrolled past it the other day on Netflix. I I looked at it and saw CGI and went, I'm going to need a second opinion. Your second opinion is this might be better than the Castle of Cagliostro. This has problems that the Castle of Cagliostro doesn't have. Like, if you ask me, what's your biggest criticism of Castle of Cagliostro? I don't know that I have one. Whereas this one has, like, maybe one or two small problems. But I actually had more fun watching this than I did with the Castle of Cagliostro. So the first thing that's really, really noticeable and really, really obvious is this is an anime movie that's in, like, 3D CGI sort of generated. It's kind of like a Toy Story sort of animation. And it looks fantastic. I was shocked by how good it looked. And in reading the uh, the IMDb trivia, apparently this is the fourth such movie of that kind. They did like two Pokemon movies in 3D animation and oh Kirby God. movie. Don't get me started. And a Doraemon movie. I don't know what Doraemon is. But I was the, I, I have to admit, that wasn't any of my guesses. My first guesses were th- for 3D animated uh, anime movies would have been like, uh... Fucking uh, Pikachu, Detective Pikachu. That's I don't one. know, probably porn or something. No, not porn. And uh, the Astro Tifa Boy movie, game. and uh, Alita Battle Angel. Does that count? Apparently, those don't count. Those aren't real anime. So, Lupin the Third is the first one that anyone actually notices, and it looks wonderful. Nothing about it looks jarring. The facial animation is on par with Pixar. It looks great. Uh, the the anime, the way the characters walk, the way the characters move, it's it's all just wonderful. Especially again, I keep coming back to the facial animation. That looks just fantastic. Uh, so, what's the plot of the Castle of Cagliostro? Well, first of all, all the characters are in there. We got Loop, obviously Loop is in there. Uh, Fujiko's back. They got the that guy Jigen with the guy with a hat over his eyes the whole time. I'm glad to see him again. They got that samurai just- warrior. Isn't this chain smoking the whole movie? I love. Isn't you. this just great that you have like a like it's a detective series? And it's like yeah, they just have a samurai friend, you know. He just helps them out. Sometimes. I love a ragtag group of like descendants of great great historical figures. Like oh, it's like the fourth one, but he's still a samurai. Don't worry about it. I love the Interpol guy. The Interpol guy is back, uh, and uh, like I said, Fujiko is in this, and it's good to see her. Uh, it's like. And the thing is, they never do all this, like, explaining. Like, the first thing I thought it was, like, it takes place during World War II. I'm like, oh, boy. What are they going to do? Are they going to do some sort of origin story? <clears throat> and, uh... Look, uh, 15-year-old Parker remembers that there was a banned episode in America called To Be or Not CB. 
So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Lupin the Third, you guys. Wait, that fucking owns. I might have to watch that. So... It's so good. <laughs> Do beer and Nazi. Dude, that uh, meanwhile, like the band short. episodes of Scooby Doo are probably just like one of the girls <laughs> fucking the dog or something. <laughs> Velma gets dog filled. <laughs> <Dog. laughs> but the problem is which dog it is. That's the real issue. They're it fucking Scooby Dumb. What's that fucking Boo Radley looking dog? <laughs> Scooby Dumb. That's Scooby Dumb. <laughs> he just talks like Adrian Brody in the village the whole time. <laughs> Simple Jack the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking lawnmower dog. Great show, guys. I was trying to figure out how to word the joke, and that just worked better than anything I could think of. I just love the idea of this big, stupid Marmaduke size dog. Ooh, I can't wait to log into the Oasis. (laughs) (laughs) We need a new character. Cool, it's a blue dog. And she goes, dom, dom, dom. Great. (laughs) Hannah and Barbara can both fucking rot in hell. I can see it now. The Oasis becomes a thing, and we all log in for the first time, only to find that all three of us are a cat that talks like George Lopez. <laughs> I wouldn't be Bonzo. I'd be overpowered. <laughs> That's the next point. Bonzo God. has been banned from the Oasis. Oh, no fair. Uh, Bonzo's the... wall hacking again. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Just vibrating through the walls, begging for some fresh fruit. I just oh, it's make good my... lumber to fight. <laughs> he just fucking rips your head off and throws you. <laughs> so back to Lupin the third, the first. God damn it, how did Bonzo get into Club Penguin? <laughs> Haba Hotel Raids, but it's just a giant ape going fucking crazy. Pools closed due to ape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Slash the third, the first. Also. This movie's actually good. I want to talk about it. Okay, so <laughs> it does in fact take place, take place during World War II, and there are in fact Nazis. Very briefly, uh, they're searching for some artifact. Then time passes, and then gets uh, the artifact again himself. Uh, so one of the things about the Castle of Cagliostro is apparently Steven Spielberg watched it and thought, "Wow, this is really good." And he sort of uh, based some of the I guess some of the themes of Indiana Jones off of that, which you can kind of see because it's like a high-flying adventure, you know, and uh, it's sort of retro in its ideas, but timeless in the uh, effect that it has. And the Castle it, and the Castle Cagliostro does a great job with that, but uh, Lupin the Third, the first, is like, hey, what if we resurrect that idea of Nazis? You know, we could just uh, fight against Nazis the whole time. Everyone feels good when we punch a Nazi in the face. And they go a little bit wow. further with it than uh, other people. They don't go quite as far as id entertainment, where they just had Mecha Hitler. But they are trying to either resurrect Adolf Hitler or find Adolf Hitler who's been hiding out this whole time. So uh, there is like a, a picture of like old gray-haired Hitler in like a wheelchair with a stupid mustache the entire time. And just like, oh no, that's the, that's the MacGuffin of the movie. Hitler in a wheelchair. So, um, I gotta admit, like, the the dialogue is really good. There's, like, an interesting story. I care about the characters. Uh, there's, what, I think the, the best way I can put this is a Letterboxd review that I saw. It's like, boy, this movie, no other movie has played with my heart so much about whether or not they were going to feature Hitler. Uh, I have to highly highly recommend this movie you really have to watch this it is so so good 
uh, and shorter than the Castle Cagliostro, if that matters to you. You know, be worried about seeing Hitler. Like, watching anime, there's already so many things you're constantly worried about just popping up out of nowhere. And to add Hitler to the mix, (laughs) seems like (laughs) that's a real white-knuckle adventure. Every time a woman's on the screen, you're just like, careful. Careful, guys. Oh, good news, by the way, is uh, Fujika's in this, and it's really not that bad, you know? There's not a whole lot of uh, bouncing, but uh, there's a... I don't know. It's just kind of cute, you know. It's it's good. It works. Uh, I recommend this movie to everyone. Uh, might buy the Blu-ray. This is really good. I, I'm really really happy. And the other thing is, like at the very end of the movie, is they have a little uh, <laughs> written like slate there that says, uh, "My only dream is that more people will get to experience the joy of uh, Lupin the Third. It's written by Monkey Punch. Uh, who's the original creator of Lupin the Third? I didn't realize uh, that Bonzo created this. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of his special moves. You have to find the TM in Mount Moon in order to use it. Uh, <laughs> Bonzo, get away from that moonstone. <laughs> anyway, apparently one of his uh, his dying wishes was actually to see Lupin the Third converted into a sort of three D CG animation. And unfortunately, he died before this movie came out. But uh, I gotta tell you, this is one of the ones where it actually worked. And if this one works in 3D animation, think what they could do for all sorts of other anime in 3D. Think what they could do with, like, a Dragon Ball Z. Or maybe even a good anime, like Fist of the North Star. I mean, okay. the Hey, how many Dragon Balls do I have? Uh, <laughs> seven less than me. Alright, let's work together. This slander <laughs> will not stand. Anyway, the possibilities we'll are definitely... To say. I don't know. <laughs> Shenron Namekian? Don't answer, I don't care. Uh, so, one quick thing before Strike I get two. into the real meat here, is uh, <laughs> I want to talk about how I finished that stupid book uh, that was a Ready Player Two. Holy shit. <laughs> so what happened that... in the end? Okay, so at the end, this is after they go to John Hughes' planet, and after they go to Prince Planet, which is... Which one of those is more embarrassing? Prince Planet's more embarrassing. Um, especially after watching Purple Rain. This is... <laughs> wow. Like, you think Ernest Pur- Klein gets Prince? <laughs> Dude, if Purple Rain were a video game character, he would 100% delete himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um... Uh, Anyway, after that, they have to go to Middle Earth Planet, um, which I just call... Stop. <laughs> That's, you, you're just making shit up. You didn't it's, actually read this. Like, I'm, so, I'm, I'm so calling you out. I'm throwing the yellow flag. Please do. Go ahead. <laughs> it, the thing is, it gets so much worse because it's not just like... When you think of like Tolkien playing, you'd be like, oh, there's going to be like Hobbits and like Gandalf and the elves. Uh, instead, no, no, no. It's like the really esoteric shit. It's like the Silmarillion. They talk about Morgoth, who is also known as Mordeth. You're like, Chris, why do you remember that? Were you taking notes on on an audiobook? Ha ha ha. No. My dad did this. My dad is the one telling me that Morgoth was originally known as Mordeth. And then they say it in the book. My dad is Ernest Cline. So that broke my heart. (laughs) Runner-up jerk of the week right there. They they spent so much time on Tolkien Planet because the necromancer, who's the original owner of the Silmarillion or something like I don't fucking know. Oh they kill him somehow and they take his little Chris or whatever. And then he has to do battle with like the AI who's taking control of the Oasis. 
and he defeats the AI, and some of his friends die along the way. And at this point, I'm, like, playing uh, uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, going, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, come on, just hurry up, end. And, like, all his friends die, I'm like, good. And at the end of the movie, he finds a way to save them, and you know how in the Oasis, when you go into the Oasis here, you have, like, a, a VR sort of thing? Uh, they find a way at the end of the book to separate the two. So, Wade Watts and... Parzival are now two separate people living two separate lives. Wade Watts can live in the real world with Samantha, and Parzival can live in the oasis with Artemis. So he gets laid twice. This book fucking sucks, and I can just feel how bad the movie is going to be. So can I. I'm very ready for that episode. Yeah, it's absolutely going to be an episode. That Prince thing is going to make you guys cringe so hard. You want to talk about a four-hour episode? Yeah. Well, oh my God. I'm sorry, oh my guys. God. Imagine, if they, imagine if they go to Bonzo's planet. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, imagine if they just go to Boston planet. Oh, we'll get to that, buddy. <gasps> we oh, will wait, wait, get sure to we... Boston. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Um, Hey, Chris, what else did you watch? Speaking of four-hour episodes, (laughs) this is only going to get longer, folks. I'm sorry, because one of the assignments on Snake Way... See, Snake Way, it takes takes Goku... Parker, I'm going to have to guess. 155 days to reach King Kai on Snake Way. Close enough. Quite the globetrotting adventure. Much like the four ladies from Sex in the City. (laughs) So, a little bit of backstory here is... uh, Sex in the City 2, I had actually recommended it as a potential future episode, and you guys took one look at the runtime and they're just like, no. Uh, which, good idea. It's 150 minutes. That is a really, really long movie. That um, is illegal. That's insane, dude. Yeah. Now, I never watched the TV show because it was on HBO. But mm. I did watch the first movie in theaters. There was a girl involved. And mm, uh, gross. I thought it was. Yeah. You deserved this. Thank you. Uh, Anyway, the first movie I thought was just awful. It was like, oh, this is just horrendous. The second movie? Oh, where do I begin? Well, okay. uh, I I guess I'll just begin at the very beginning. A very good place to begin. The movie begins at a gay wedding. And uh, it's, well, the thing is, it's a gay wedding between two gay homosexual men who are gay for each other. And they're getting married to each other, and they're both men. So uh, keep that in mind. Hello, um, Spider-Man? <laughs> that's, that's the thing, is they keep playing so many gay jokes. And at one point, you're just like, well, you know, what if it's empowering to gay people? And you're just like, yeah, we're celebrating ourselves, that sort of thing. That's only, like, half of it at the most. I'm being generous with half. At some point, it becomes, like, kind of demeaning. It kind of is like, it's so many gay stereotypes that they're not even, like, well-known stereotypes, you know? Like, there's a, a bunch of, I don't know, dudes in tuxedos, and they're singing uh, some song, and it's just like, this is the gayest thing I've ever been to. Like, thanks, Cartman. It's, 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 it's a little strong. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh yeah, you know. Oh, who the the two gay characters? I'm sure you guys watch the show all the time. One of them is 
I don't know. I don't even know their names. They're both. They're just uh, friends of. Uh, call them gay characters. one and gay two. <laughs> I I might as well. That's what the movie might as well call them. Anyway, who one of them is Harold? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, there's oh there's a brief anti-Italian joke. Uh, if I could uh, read this, one I off really am quick. interested. <clears throat> yeah, I'd like to hear it. Okay, so uh, one of them says, "Oh yeah, so we're we're getting married." He's telling the four ladies. And he's like, and good news. He says I can cheat whenever I want. And and they're just kind of staring like, what, because you're gay? He's like, no, because I'm Italian. That's <laughs> Where's Italian the joke? <laughs> that's, your, that's your Italian joke. Uh, anyway, I was waiting for something super racist. I'm so mad right now. You know, Italian's not really a race, right? He can tell him that. Okay. See, oh, I, I didn't guess. say it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, who's gonna marry them? Oh, are they gonna get a priest? You know how priests are. You know, they're not very much in favor of gay weddings. No. Oh, no. Uh, they get oh, no. Liza Minnelli to marry them. Oh my god, that's so much better than RuPaul. <laughs> so, Liza Minnelli comes out there, and she's marrying them, and she is acting as old as she is. She can barely read the text in front of her. She might as well put on her reading glasses to read the cue cards. And they're just like, of course Liza Minnelli's here. Whenever this much gay energy manifests in a room, she just appears. Okay. That's kind of a... That's that's not a very nice thing to say, actually. Like, I like Liza Minnelli. I think she's kind of talented. She sang songs or something. She was in, uh, what was that show? Arrested Development. She was funny in there. Anyway, then she sings All the Single Ladies. (laughs) The entire song. Oh, <laughs> that's that's you made that up. You, yeah, you think yeah. Okay, you're gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna sign this to you. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, it's not just the fact that they have all these gay, very heavy air quotes here jokes. It's that this is a really really lavish wedding. Like there's so much stuff in here, and I've I've been to a fair amount of weddings. You know, and, you know, friends get married and stuff like that. You got like chairs and cake and stuff like that. Dude, there's like glass swan carvings and all this other like bullshit that's like no one can realistically afford all this and I'm like how in the hell did they afford all this and maybe this is because I don't understand uh, Sex and the City's shtick but after the wedding becomes abundantly clear all the women in Sex and the City are extraordinarily rich Uh, Carrie, Carrie is played by Sarah Jessica Parker, she is a writer um you know how easy it is to get rich as a writer. So, uh, she lives in New York and, uh, she buys fancy clothes and has two apartments, uh, both of which are extremely nice. And she finally married her dream man, Mr. Big, uh, which is Chris. Why do they call him Mr. Big? I don't know. They keep calling him that the entire movie. It doesn't make sense. He's not even that big. Hey, Google, you know. <laughs> why do they call him Mr. Big? I was waiting for Siri to... According to Wikipedia, the nickname okay. Big refers to his status as a major tycoon, major dreamboat, and majorly out of league, according to the show's dialogue. <laughs> All right, well, now we know. Oh, thank you. All right. Siri, how come you... I always thought I was a regular business tycoon. <laughs> <laughs> but according to the gals... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's... For you, piece. all my girlfriends called me Mr. Regular. Honestly, he's not even that big, though. I'm bigger than him. So, uh, there's also... Wait, their other friend. Uh, 
the stupid one, the one, the brunette, the one that's like a little bit more conservative than the other one. The one the who one is that, me. The, the, well, the, the the one that all the characters of the show secretly hate, and the one that all the uh, the fans openly hate. Uh, she's in this, and she's rich because she married a Jewish guy. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of, yeah. Don't make a space laser joke. Don't make a space laser joke. And uh, Cynthia Nixon is on here, and she's rich because uh, she's a lawyer. Okay, I guess it makes sense. And Samantha. Samantha is played by Kim Cattrall, who I really like. I think Kim Cattrall is a great actress. Not in this, she isn't. And she is. How did she get rich? She's some sort of business executive or something. Yeah. She might also be a writer, or maybe she's a film producer or something. I don't know. She has her own office. And at one point, she's, like, putting lotion on her lady parts. She has her, her underwear down, and you can see it. You're just like, oh, thanks. Um, you, you get to see her getting plowed by some bare-ass dude twice in this movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> hope you're looking forward to that. Two and a half hours. It's a good thing they used up all the runtime. Yeah, two and a half hours. Hope you're looking for that. Uh, so here's the thing. Um, I like I said, I actually like Kim Cattrall. I think she's a really good actress. And when I hear that she's the one who has the most sex out of all of them, I I just think to myself, I am such a Samantha. But all her one-liners, nice. all her one-liners are so fucking bad. They are like just so cringeworthy and. I kind of feel like Kim Cattrall is just sort of uh, doing something like that for the entire movie. Uh, let, let me see. Is there anything? Uh, oh my god. This fucking... Okay, so at one point, the stupid one uh, hires... What's her name? Charlotte. Charlotte's the stupid one. Charlotte has two kids. Oh, kids are so hard to take care of. Being a mother fucking blows. True. So uh, she, she hires a nanny, right? And the nanny doesn't wear a bra, and she has large boobs, and her boobs bounce and everything. So more boob bouncing in this than two anime movies that I watched. Try that one off her size. Uh, and they play it, it like, like slow motion. Did. And they play it like slow motion or something, and I'm just like, wait, why are they doing this? This doesn't make fun. This doesn't make sense. What? Who is who is this for? And then I thought about like, oh my god. This is for all the boyfriends who got dragged to this movie. Like, you're gonna go watch Sex and City 2 with me. It's Valentine's Day. We have to watch it together. And they're like, okay, here's something for you, fellas. Bouncing to I like how you put it on that voice as if you didn't watch the first one in that scenario. <laughs> as if I it's, did it? As if that's exactly what I'm recalling, dude. You, see, you wonder why I do that voice. It's true, though. They do be sounding like that. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, they they hire her and she's walking over and she's got her bouncing tits everywhere and all the girls are like staring at her like, oh my god, the scandal. And Samantha makes a joke. She says there ought to be a law against hiring a nanny who looks like that. And Carrie says, yeah, the Jude law. <laughs> what? That's no. <laughs> That's the funniest thing anyone's ever said on this podcast. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, you know what's even worse is the girls all, like, Shit. chuckle to themselves afterwards. 
Sorry. Like, <laughs> Jude Law. Like, there has to be a joke there, right? Like, I have to... Well, Jude Law is a person who exists, and his name kind of sounds like a law, right? He's, so you he must can, like, have been like a nanny in a movie or something, right? There's no way that's the whole joke. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> you have to watch it for yourself, find out. So here's the thing. That's not really a Samantha quip. Well, here's a quip here. Uh, Samantha is 52, and surprisingly enough, is the oldest one of the group. She very easily looks the best. So much so that they actually make it into one of the central plot lines, how good Kim Cattrall looks, is that apparently she's been taking, like, uh, hormones or something to suppress her menopause or something like that. And she's swallowing a whole bunch of pills, and they ask her, how are you going to swallow all those? And she's like, have we met? She swallows dicks, because she likes to suck dicks, she likes to have sex. Uh, (laughs) Two and a half hours, huh? They do be like that, though. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of it's basically like that the entire time. Uh, uh, where are, where are the other ones? Uh, I, don't, I don't even want to think of it. I, they'll probably come up to me as I go along. Anyway, uh, so I kind of was comparing this to Grown Ups. I was like, this is just Grown Ups, but for the chicks. Uh, but it's not quite, because Grown Ups, I, I think I mentioned Grown Ups doesn't really have any conflict, so it's not really sure what the movie is doing. I don't even know if Grown Ups actually exists. Like, a movie can't exist if there's no conflict. What the hell am I watching this for? Uh, there are conflicts in here. In fact, each four of the women have their own little conflict. Uh, Miranda, the Cynthia Nixon character, uh, is unhappy at work because there's a sexist law firm partner, so she quits, and that's her story. Charlotte, the stupid one, uh, doesn't like her own children and hates them and wants them dead, so she has to get away from them for a bit. Uh, Samantha, well, we'll get to her in a little bit, but uh, Carrie is not totally happy with Mr. Big because for their anniversary, she gets him a vintage Rolex that's engraved from like a year of, I don't know, it's from 1968, and he just gets her a TV. And like his explanation for why getting her the TV is actually kind of sweet because it's like, it's in like the perfect location for them to watch old black and white movies together and they had watched a black and white movie together it was really romantic it was like oh wow that's really thoughtful more thoughtful than like a stupid fucking roll which must cost I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars and she's like well a piece of jewelry would have been nice and that's when I realized like oh that's what this movie is it's all about materialism it's all about like how nice it is to be extremely rich uh, the whole movie is basically saying, isn't it nice to be rich and white and in your fucking 50s? And that's... And one like, out of three ain't bad. <laughs> it's, uh... It's actually kind of embarrassing because, like, the movie does that the entire time. It's like, is it nice to be extraordinarily rich beyond comparison? And I'm like, who are the people watching this? Who are the people who watch it and be like, yeah, that'll be me one day? No, it won't. No one's gonna ever be this rich. They get... Here's how rich they get. After they're done making fun of gay people, a lot, uh, <laughs> Samantha, I don't know, wins or something, uh, an all-expense-paid trip to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> oh, no. Now, believe it or not, this is actually uh, years ago, literal years ago, back when I was working in the office, in fact, uh, I was looking over this with a Middle Eastern friend of mine, and we saw the part where we were, like, reading the plot summary on Wikipedia. 
and we saw they go to Abu Dhabi, and we exchanged a look that just said, dude, this should be a podcast episode. This sounds like a disaster. And I'm like, oh, man, what sort of misadventures will they get into? Turns out it's really racist. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so it should be an episode. Given the field of possible outcomes, that feels, like, squarely in the middle. Yeah. So, um... Uh, First things first, they get uh, first class tickets there, so they take a 13-hour flight in first class, and dude, I've never flown first class before, I mean, look at me, but this is the nicest first class digs I've ever seen in my life, and part of me is just like, was this advertising for flying first class on Abu Dhabi or something like that, and uh, turns out it just gets like, it just immediately jumps into like the racism, it's like Miranda trying to speak Arabic the entire movie and doing a really really bad job. At one point she literally just starts going la 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 you know? Just to see if that means anything. Thanks. Hey, Miranda, you're not in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I was really expecting like you to go like la 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 dude shit. I... She keeps telling the nice Middle Eastern people that when the moon hits their eye like a big pizza <laughs> that's amore. <laughs> And they just look at her. And to like, everyone oh God, who's listening so to this episode because Arabia. of Black History Month, <laughs> uh, which is how I'm going to post it on Spotify. Uh, anyway, let's see. They, they get there, and they arrive in the Middle East, and oh no, Samantha's hormones got confiscated because they're drugs, and you can't bring drugs into Abu Dhabi or something. I don't know. <clears throat> uh, so she has to go through menopause in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> That's her character's conflict. Two Samantha gets and her a own half hours. <laughs> Samantha gets her own body. <laughs> so, like I said, it's like it's all expense paid, right? And it's I don't know. Is everyone just rich in New York or something? So she's uh, I don't know. Again, I don't remember exactly what she does for a job, but someone else, some guy, paid for this whole thing, and they're in this really nice hotel. You know, first class VIP <coughs> digs at the hotel. And uh, have you guys ever stayed like really, really nice rooms at a hotel? Yeah, a couple times. It's like I can't. It's pretty I, nice, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know how the others live like that. Well, so here's here's uh, one of the cool things. Here is uh, one of my friends. What she does is uh, she lives in Korea with her husband, and if they want to go out and like a nice vacation, sometimes you can't afford to fly and you can't fly during COVID, so they'll just go to a hotel and they'll like rent the VIP suite. And they'll get, like, sashimi and everything. You actually save money that way. It's, like, really, really nice. They have a good time. It's, like, a nice little thing. I'm like, oh, that's kind of sweet. So in this movie, they all have Arabic manservants. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, nothing's surprising you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just watched right over me, like, yeah, of course they do. Yeah, that was the natural endgame of them going to a different country. It is, like, with right what they view as them being. It's right below them being called Sahib, you know? It's, uh... I like, can imagine they're just, like, sitting around quipping about anal sex while these people just shine their <laughs> shoes for them. I'm gonna, I don't know if it would be mad matter if there is or isn't a plot where they just really want, like, pork chops. <laughs> no, I'm gonna ask the question now. How long does it take to get to a camel? Oh, not that long. Uh, I'll get to God a camel damn it. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> at one point, they, uh, they ride a camel in the desert. That's the camel scene. So, uh, always like, <laughs> thank you. Carrie, Carrie's uh, really sad because she's in the desert, and Mr. Big, uh, he he suggested, uh, <laughs> this made me laugh, he was like, I've got a great idea. 
uh, at one point she she needed a break, so she took two days out of the week to go write her column or something at her old apartment. Yeah, again, she owns two apartments in New York City. Okay, that's fair. Uh, he's like, I've got a great idea. How about we each take like two days out of the week to just do our own thing, just like you know, be by ourselves. I could go out with the guys. You can, uh, or I could watch old movies. You can go write or see the girls or something like that. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, that actually sounds like a pretty good idea. And she says, no, we're married. We have to be together 24-7. And um, my first thought is, oh, I'd divorce her right on the spot. <laughs> and, and so she's really sad about that because she you know, just wants to be my Mr. Big the whole time, which is why she took a week's vacation away from him in Abu Dhabi. Um, See, that's, that's different. That doesn't count. You, you don't yeah, know the rules. Yeah, too. right, exactly. So, uh, anyway, uh, she's in Abu Dhabi. She's kind of upset about that, and she's awake at night, and she goes into the kitchen, and her manslave, is, her manservant is there, and he's like, would you like me... I'm not going to do the accent. Would you like me to warm up some milk for you? And she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, would you like me to put cinnamon in it, too? I'm like, oh, where, where are we going with this? And he starts talking about, like, oh, uh, I get to see my wife next month. And she's like, what do you mean next month? And he's like, I only get to see her for, like, a brief time. I spent. We spend like three months uh, at a time away from each other. And if I save up enough money working at this hotel for VIP guests such as yourself, I get to see her for a little bit. She's like, "Wow!" And she drinks the milk and goes to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, did you ask at any point during this movie if any of these people were M Night Shyamalan? <laughs> oh no, I didn't. That's good. Uh, but it takes place in Abu Dhabi, not India. So I did ask if they were Justin Trudeau. Uh, oh wait, I also forgot a cameo from Miley Cyrus. What? <laughs> How did you almost forget? Well, this, this came out in 2010. So was she in Abu Dhabi? No, this was beforehand. They, she's wearing the same dress as Samantha. That's awkward. So back to oh uh, the camel scene. That's it. Uh, I thought there was more to that. Yeah, it turns out, so Samantha's on a camel with, I don't know, Miranda. And uh, she's like, oh my god, I think I'm having a hot flash. And then they're just like, you're on a camel in the desert in Abu Dhabi. It's 120 degrees out. If you're not having a hot flash, you're doing something wrong. And three of them laugh. For some reason, Samantha's not laughing about this. What do I, I have to do to make you do the Samantha voice for the rest of this episode? I, I don't know if I can do one. If, if I could do one, I think I would have done it by now. Um, hey, buddy, if you give me yeah, two firsts, a third, and Jared Goff, I'll give you my Dragon Balls. <laughs> <laughs> Building for the future. I like it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do a Samantha voice. I might be closer to doing a Carrie voice. Because her narration is like this throughout the entire movie, even when there's severe conflict. Severe conflicts such as they're at a pool, right? And they're all relaxing in the pool. Samantha, you can't show your shoulders or your belly. This is Abu Dhabi. They got strict rules. It's a Muslim country. And they see a woman in a niqab or whatever the thing is. They are staring at her like she's a zoo animal. And they're just like, wait, she's going to eat something. How is she going to eat this French fry? And she just like lifts up her veil and like puts it into her mouth. And they're just like, the restraint to not say freedom fries. <laughs> Why would you bring your friend who can't go five seconds without talking about sucking dick to Abu Dhabi? <laughs> oh, what no, is no, the no. end Parker, game here? Parker, is Parker, it to Parker, have Parker, her decapitated? Parker. They're not. They're not bringing her. She's bringing them. Okay? Absolutely not. Do you know this lady? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Goodbye. 
Yeah, so, uh, what was that? Oh, what cool, was so you're one of those guys that all the sheiks shit on. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Samantha, please come to Saudi Arabia. I want to show you my castle. <laughs> oh. It's, it's a real shame that you said sheik, because at one point they were saying, yeah, he's a real sheik sheik. Almost dropped my phone. I need to leave. <laughs> oh my uh, it's, god! Let's just call this early. We don't need to talk about purple. No, no, no. Yeah, it I'm, gets worse. No, no, no. Next so week's episode the, of Purple no, Rain. No, no. So the, <laughs> export the file, baby. <laughs> so they're at the pool, right? And they're like, "Oh, lounging around. Oh, all the women are wearing their full Muslim getup. Like, what are the men going to wear?" And for some reason, the Australian rugby team shows up. Uh, they, they, they are Australian for one reason, which I'll get to a little bit. Um, I have a hunch. I yeah. do too, actually. Yeah. So the Australian team shows up, and they're in the pool, and they're all wearing speedos and everything. And Samantha says, "Oh my, Lawrence of my labia." <laughs> Fuck off! How is this doing so much psychic damage to me when I signed it to you? <laughs> I don't understand. And that's the thing is like the reason this could be an episode is it would go too long. There's so much to talk about. You have no idea what I'm not talking about here. Anyway, the Australian football team or rugby team leaves the pool and Samantha's really upset. Guys, we have a whole bunch of men from down under and I'm not feeling anything down under. Jesus in her vagina. Christ. Her vaginal walls aren't quivering at the thought of being plowed by one of these guys. Just, like, the most unbelievable part of this movie is that they wouldn't let rich people bring drugs into UAE. Yeah, well... <laughs> See, Look, I'm, I'm kind all of... All I know watching. is that there was definitely a mode... There was a day in that meeting where I'm like, do we make it the Australian team? Or do we make it the New Zealand All Blacks? And that was a four-hour <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I'm like, what will the MPA let her say? I, I'm really happy that you also know that that's what they're called. <laughs> I know that that's what they're called just because I broadcast their games at work, but jeez, that's... <laughs> that I'm sure Parker has the same reasoning. See, see, that's the thing. is That joke is absolutely in play. There would have been like, All Blacks. That sounds like my dildo collection or something. Uh... She should just say something. Another like zinger from Samantha. How much axe <laughs> body spray did you to get spray on this team? Twelve open. Well, that's that's the thing is this is basically shitlib the movie, and I mean oh, the good times is. <laughs> You're not even at the Elizabeth Warren documentary yet. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> oh man. Um... Okay, so uh, what, was, uh, what happens next? Oh yeah, Carrie's still upset because like fucking some stupid shit happens, and she just wanders around the desert and brings her manservant, and he follows her around, covering her with an umbrella the entire time. I'm like, that should be like the image of this movie, <laughs> you know? Like we're liberated and we're progressive, and my manservant shields me from the sun. It's very, very bad. Uh, oh, yeah, they're all wearing outfits, because, you know, ladies, they like fashion, and they like to wear, like, the latest outfits from Abu Dhabi. Uh, oh, yeah, she goes into uh, she goes into a fucking um, bazaar, and uh, she's like, oh, I'd like to buy these shoes. They look like the... Are harem shoes a thing? They got, like, the curling, like, toe thing or something. Did There's you no just say harem shoes? Yeah, you know, like, harem pants? There are certain shoes that you wear with those. Do you know what harem pants are? I know what a harem is. Okay, uh, harem pants are like those uh, really like 
baggy like uh, silk pants. You've you've seen them before. Sure. Think think about like mm. remember Jasmine? Jasmine from Aladdin? Yes. She's wearing harem pants. Okay. That's that's what they're called. They're called harem pants. And I guess that I, I assume that what goes with those, the shoes with like the curling like toe sort of thing, I assume those would be harem shoes or something like that. And she's like, oh, wow, could I like buy these shoes from like this back alley uh, bazaar setup? She's like, wow, they're only $20 for shoes? She looks at the camera like, oh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's an angel? Anyway, uh, I'm like, wow, only $20 for shoes. And I really thought she's like, wow, I could live here for the rest of my life. And I'm like, oh, please do. I just want to see you get, like, dumpstered. All three days of it? Yeah, she's going to get dumpstered like Apollonia. Um, anyway. Uh... <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry, we'll get to that in a bit. Anyway, she sees an old flame in the, the bazaar, and she goes to have dinner with him. The girl's like, oh, you can't have dinner with an old flame when you're married. In and fucking Abu like, Dhabi? What the? Okay. He just happens Crazy one into you here. You Great. Know, so here's the thing: is like I didn't watch the show, and I looked at reviews afterward. Like I can't believe she ran into whatever that guy's name was. I'm like, oh, I guess they brought him back, and uh, she kisses him, and she really regrets it. She runs back to her hotel, and she's so sad. And she calls up Mister Big and says, "I'm so sorry. It was an accident. I kissed him. I feel really bad about it." He's like, "I have a lot of work to do." <laughs> he just hangs up on her. I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, what happens? What happens? What happens? And she realized, oh, you know what? I realized I had something good at home the entire time. I don't know. Something stupid. I wasn't paying attention. Well, and, I guess uh, I learned all the my girls lesson. Oh, yeah. All the, all the other girls have a problem. Oh, yeah. Wait, I forgot where they go to a nightclub. And they all start singing, I am woman, hear me roar. Uh, <laughs> okay, you made I'm that not, up. <laughs> I am not making that up. I am not making that up. But, like, you would think I'm making this next part up. So they're in a nightclub, right? And they're like, Wow, kind of a lot of belly dancers for Abu Dhabi. How are they allowed to get away with that? And they're like, turns out there's like a nightclub loophole exception to uh, Muslim law. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think <laughs> is, this, is this like Jews getting somebody else to flip their light switch on Yom Kippur? <laughs> Can't wait so, to use my Muslim hall pass while Mr. Big's away. <laughs> so, so the the four women are all singing "I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar," and they're singing about it as well as Meryl Streep and Pierce Brosnan did in "Mamma Mia." And all the belly dancers are, like, slowly gyrating around to the quote-unquote beat of the song. I'm just like, you know what? You can't really strip to I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar. That's, like, the one song you can't do it to. <laughs> I can think of some... You know what? Let's not go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Parker's just ready to go, Mammy! <laughs> Snake emoji. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Daryl Jiver, that's like one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in this fucking movie. Um, anyway, after that uh, thing, uh, Samantha meets up with some guy, and they go on the beach, and they have extremely loud sex, and she gets arrested for having sex. You can't have sex in Abu Dhabi, it's illegal. And they're like, oh, we have to find a way to bail her out, and... Uh, <laughs> Oh, it's a 45-minute conversation about what kind of money they take there, and it's as bad as you think. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, so, so that's the thing. is Mar Miranda's a lawyer, right? She could be your lawyer? Well, they have to hire, like, some sort of Saudi uh. lawyer or something. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> this is and a bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, they're just, I don't know. They I don't remember how they bail her out, actually. Yeah, I think they just got to leave it just like, well, I... Excuse me, officer. She's rich and white. 
Oh, my mistake. I'm so sorry. I no, it's it's kind of like uh, Gordon turning away from Batman and just letting him get away with it. So. <laughs> well, it seems she's learned her lesson. You're free to go. Exactly. She's just okay. She just gets away with it. Like uh, the the joke, if there is a joke here, is she keeps it. We didn't even have sex. We weren't even doing anything. He's like, and the attorney's like, I need to see your passport. She hands him his passport, and out falls an empty condom wrapper. Okay. I guess the joke is that she actually had sex. Wow, Samantha having sex? That's weird. Takes their passport to the beach. Never mind. (laughs) No, here's a better question, okay? Who carries around multiple, multiple empty condom wrappers in their purse? Throw them away. There's a trash can right there. There'd be a lot of shit in there, though. (laughs) As if these white women are just throwing their trash on the street. (laughs) Let's be fucking honest. You just manling it like a throwing shot. My condom. <laughs> well, the thing is, it gets so much worse. Be- oh, I forgot to mention at that nightclub, uh, Parker. I think I texted you about this. Fucking Samantha, played by Kim Cattrall, is dressed up with these spiked shoulder pads, like she's Dink and Doink. <laughs> I like hearing those names on this podcast. <laughs> bet you it brings do. me a deep peace. Like, this whole fucking movie is a fucking physical challenge. Like, it's an actual endurance test. Like, you put it on, you're just like, holy shit. I was, like, leaning forward and on my bed just watching this with my jaw dropping on the on the floor. I couldn't believe this was, like, a real thing that I was watching. Like, I, I, was, I was awestruck just by how bad it was. Actually awestruck. Okay, so Sarah Jessica Parker's talking about, like, wow, my manservant only gets to see his wife for, like, one day out of the year. Meanwhile, uh, Kim Cattrall is shoveling an actual serving spoon of hummus into her mouth because it has natural female hormones or something. I don't know. And uh, it's one of the most disgusting things that I've ever seen. This movie sounds good, dude. Yeah, it is. Well, it gets even better, okay? Uh, So so apparently the guy who got Samantha the tickets to this uh, vacation bailed on her. And the uh, concierge calls up and he's like, oh, by the way, uh, if you don't check out right now, then you're on hook for the rest of your stay. And it's $22,000 a day. They can't afford that, so they have to check out really quick. And they got to get to the plane soon or else they're going to fly home in coach on a 13-hour flight. I... I fucking hate this dude. <laughs> well, so things get really, really bad because uh, Carrie lost her uh, lost her passport. Turns out she left it at that bazaar, right? So she goes over to the bazaar and she has to go get the, uh, the, the passport back. And turns out that kind old man still has it. Wow, people are just nicer in third world countries. And I'm just like, you know, in real life, that guy would have, like, sold your identity and you would have been, like, conscripted into Coney's army or something. Uh, (laughs) Meanwhile, oh no, Samantha bumped into some people and she dropped her uh, purse in her empty condom wrappers all over the place. (laughs) And... (laughs) Was she fucking Frank Reynolds? (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) And all the Muslim men are, are just looking at her and they just... They don't look angry, they just look concerned, and they're just all speaking rapid Arabic, so much so that Miranda can't translate it. They're just shaking their hands to Allah. And she and she literally yells at them, yes, they're condoms. Uh, oh, wait, give me a second. Yes, they're condoms. I have sex. Tell them. This Tell is the woman. movie. This is finally the movie where Samantha screams to the heavens, 
I have sex. You know, that move so, doesn't work nearly as well when I try it. Yeah, well, you know, it'll work for everyone. Everyone anyway, in my Discord just calls me a bunch of slurs and tells me to get back to the raid. I don't care so, for it. Yeah, so they're they're trying to escape from the Arabic men. And uh, they, <laughs> they, they have a, a secret getaway. They have some women in hijabs who tell them, hey, you know, follow us over here. And they go into some back alley thing. And then they get, they get like, bloodily murdered. Wait, different movie. Sorry. Okay, because so, the end of this movie is like, so the white women are being chased by these angry, hysterical brown men. Like, All right. Please, that just, so they don't Chris, have to fly home I mean, and coach. The, Chris, please, please tell me they don't have to put on hijabs to get out of the country. That is exactly what they have to do. God damn it. (laughs) But you're skipping over the best part. So, first of all, the way... I want to address that. Parker, the way that you describe it. The four New York women are running through Abu Dhabi from these angry Muslim men. It just sounds like an episode of Johnny Quest. I'm just thinking of fucking Scooby-Doo. They just keep running through different doors trying to catch them. (laughs) Terrorists headed west on Pakalakataka Street. (laughs) <laughs> I think Fucking she's saying Haji. I have sex Smart ass motherfucker <laughs> Haji's just there saying Sim Sim Salabim and they just climb up A rope to the roof. No Chris that was M. Night <laughs> It was Ralph Northam get it right <laughs> One jump ahead of the Muslims What? Right, anyway so there <laughs> is this <laughs> So there <laughs> this they're in this like this back room sort of thing with a bunch of women in hijabs and everything, and they're just like, "Oh wow, we actually have Carrie's latest book out. We read it all the time." You know, women in these countries reading all the time. They can read over there? I don't think so, Holly. Weird. <laughs> Not happening. Yeah, uh, kind of, kind of sickening, really. Uh, and then they're like, but you know, that's the part you have problems with. They're like, your book, that's, that's not the only thing we like about New York. We also like the fashion and they take off their hijabs and underneath they're wearing like a bunch of the fall line or something. I kill myself. I want yeah. to die. And they're like, oh, we have a great idea to get you out. And they give them their hijabs and, uh, they... Get on the. They get in a taxi. Oh, but wait! It's hard to get a taxi if you're wearing a hijab. Oh, oh, oh that's oh funny. This so could be the uh, first episode with a trigger warning at the beginning. <laughs> Please practice self care. So they all get back to the uh, plane in time for them to fly first class because otherwise, I guess they would just die. Because remember, Samantha has menopause. Um, and they get back, and uh, what happens? Let's see, Charlotte embraces hating her own kids miranda gets a different law firm job carrie and mr big kiss or something and samantha gets plowed by some buck-ass naked dude uh i would hope so yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) he is i i mean again you're just legs akimbo just some guy just going full tilt in there you know uh i I don't the movie ends and uh (laughs) this one was again this is advanced badness this is advanced ship literary uh we we gotta again if you guys are like oh yeah i'll watch it and i'll make jokes about it dude put on a helmet and a seatbelt before you watch this alex what did you watch all right so parker this is a structural question mostly you want to do judgment day and judgment night now or later Absolutely, I do, right right now. (laughs) Alright, let's start with Judgment Day. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'd love to, too. <laughs> this is a movie that Parker was assigned about a month ago at this point that I watched two weeks ago. And um, it stars one Ice-T. Why don't you take this away, Parker? You watched it more recently than that. <laughs> so, uh, there's a meteor coming towards Earth that's just gonna wipe everything the fuck out. So, uh, we need Dr. Johnny Cage from the Mortal Kombat movie. But he gets kidnapped by Mario Van Peebles' cult of, like, super fundamentalist Christians. So a local cop and also Ice-T have to team up to free him. And also Coolio plays a guy named Lucifer. That's my review of the movie. That, yeah. Coolio coming in and being referred to as Lucifer made me laugh so fucking hard. And then eating shit. I understood immediately why you assigned it. He eats shit within 90 seconds. And then it's like, damn, I guess Coolio the drug dealer was working with the hyper-Christian cult that wants to end all life on Earth the whole time. Mario Van Peebles with dreads and also Tiny Lister as the leaders of this religious cult. <laughs> I really appreciate that they get Tiny Lister to disobey the religious cult by being like, hey man, you don't really want to die, do you? And he's like, that's a good point. I'm on your side now. <laughs> the CGI for when the comet hits made me belly laugh. It's so good. Like, this movie is played like slightly too straight to be like genuinely fought and episode worthy. But there are definitely pieces. <laughs> I think I gave it like two stars. Like, it's... There's something there, but not enough for a, a Sex in the City two-length conversation, I, shall we say. <laughs> I really appreciate that all of the buddy cop comedy in this movie is just this white lady not understanding why Ice-T likes chicken and waffles so much. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> the, the white lady who I found out later is James Cameron's wife. Really did a lot for me. Nice. That recontextualized the entire movie. <laughs> and also learning that the director of this was just one of the random teens that got murdered by a robot in shopping mall. <laughs> Did a lot to frame my experience. That's a springboard to start him. so cool. Movies fucking rule you guys. <laughs> like, the guy who plays fucking Johnny Cage is, like, the fifth highest billed actor in this movie that went straight to video in, like, 1994. So you do the math on that. <laughs> But you know, Alex, for every day there must be a night. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> a judgment I'm night. so glad you pointed me in the direction of this movie. Because it's so good. This is, like, definitely a future episode, right? Absolutely. Like, not soon. But in, like, a few months. No, but, but it'll happen. <laughs> With uh, Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., a pre-hair plugs Jeremy Piven, and a sweet young Steven Dorff. Just trying to get to a boxing match, and there's traffic everywhere, so they decide to take a detour, and wouldn't you know it, they accidentally hit someone who's on the run from Dennis Leary's gang. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like At this point, let me stop you, because I have multiple questions. Number one, is this what the inside of the Wii van looks like? <laughs> that was the first five notes I took were all about the Wii van. Number two, this is like literally the nicest van I have ever seen in my life. Like, they're just... We spend like ten minutes establishing how cool this van is. Like, they get mad because they're going to the big fight and they get stuck in traffic. But also, their van has a satellite dish and they have unlimited <laughs> beer. I would rather just what? sit on the fucking freeway and watch the fight. It looks so They're cool. watching the fight in the van and they're mad that they're not there. They're like, 
You're gonna be in the nosebleeds. Just drink in the van. Yeah. That sounds great. I kind of want this van now. Que- so, uh, <laughs> Question two: Have you ever I feel like I know where you're have going. you ever hated anything in your life as much as Jeremy Piven hates the homeless? <laughs> he is on a fucking one man mission to spit on every homeless like, man in Chicago. Before we even establish that Dennis Leary, who owns this apparently abandoned fifty block square of Chicago, like is just terrorizing the homeless population. Fucking, they hit this guy in their RV, and Jeremy Piven's arguing that they shouldn't get out because it's probably a scam that a homeless guy is trying to pull. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, we definitely hit a guy with our car. Nah, man, they do this all the time. They just want money. <laughs> like, it's a fucking Russian dash cam video. <laughs> it's so cool. And the best part about the Dennis Lear reveal is that he's kept in silhouette for like a good 10 minutes. And then he's just unveiled like the fucking Batman. It's just late 90s Dennis Leary with a gun. And his two goons, Zed from Pulp Fiction, and also Everlast. (laughs) When I realized it was Everlast, I (laughs) lost my fucking mind, dude. This movie fucking rules so hard. Like, I cannot stress enough. Like, Chris, you've heard Dennis Leary, like, do his Dennis Leary thing, right? Yeah, like the rant thing, right? Yeah, the rant thing, where, like, everything is, like, some quippy one-liner that's supposed to sound cool, but, like, he doesn't pause on it and stare at the camera like Ryan Reynolds does. Right, yeah. That's all the dialogue in this movie. (laughs) Oh, fuck yes. Dude, literally, the whole fucking... It's just, like, this is, like, maybe the most dudes rock movie I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) It's just just these four dudes, they want to go to the fight, one of them has a gun. Oh, why did he tell him he had the gun? And then... They're getting chased through the fucking projects by Dennis Leary, who apparently every homeless person is terrified of. Parker, you want to talk about when they're hiding in the train with that guy who used to play college football <laughs> who loses his fucking shit and gives him away? <laughs> is that the scene that leads directly into Jeremy Piven? They're all about this game, and he's like, no, no, guys. I'll negotiate with them. It gets close. Like, they, they, they have this scene where, like, there's, like, a fucking running of the bulls of all the homeless out of this abandoned train yard. Uh, fucking Dennis Leary finds the guy's wallet or whatever. Like, the, the guy that died, like, picks up his wallet off his body and goes, Oh, he played at Purdue. They weren't even good. And then it just immediately <laughs> smash cuts to the next scene. <laughs> like, who the fuck needed a Purdue football joke in this movie? <laughs> No. Could imagine if he said per don't and then just walked off. No, no. We're we're at this point. We're like fifteen minutes away from the Jeremy Piven negotiating for everyone's freedom scene by just talking about how much money he has and how much cool stuff he can give them before they shove him off a building. <laughs> He's trying to wheel and deal him and throw in all the sweet stuff, and they just push him off like fucking move it's worth noting that like during this entire scene which goes on for like five minutes jeremy pivot is by himself negotiating while everyone else is just watching instead of running from the evil gang that wants them murdered because they witnessed an extrajudicial uh, gang killing (laughs) like they could have (laughs) just fucking left (laughs) you know it's because they they hit the guy and they want to leave like he, he has a bullet wound, and he has a bag full of money. <laughs> like, something's clearly wrong here. And then Dennis Leary. You want to talk about when they go into the sewers at minute 90? Oh, my God, dude. 
when I looked up afterwards and saw this was the director of Predator 2, I just <laughs> nodded like, yes. Because it just turns into Predator in the sewers. <laughs> the fucking split diopter shots. Are you joking me? <laughs> of just like Dennis Leary's face in the foreground and like Cuba Gooding Jr. sneaking off with a gun in the background. <laughs> when, when, fuck it, when he picks up that lead pipe, dude, holy shit. When he goes, no, we're going to fight like men. At this three-way sewer intersection, we can all watch each other's backs. <laughs> oh my god, dude, this movie's so fucking it's cool! Incredible. <laughs> like literally, Dennis Leary's entire character the whole time. You're like, well, surely he ad libbed like sixty percent of this because it's just all Dennis Leary lines in Dennis Leary voice. Also, I really appreciate the one time that they just added in Dennis Leary yelling the F-slur in post. It's, like, very <laughs> obvious because there's two seconds of silence on either side. Like, 1993. <laughs> like, you know, it was a different time. But Jesus Christ. And uh, for the real ones at home, this movie that came out in the 90s has a soundtrack you can find easily online oh where every single song was a collaboration between hip-hop artists and rock artists. Oh, hell yeah. When I saw the combination of Slayer and Ice-T, I transcended <laughs> this plane of existence. Same, except for Helmet and House of Pain. <laughs> yeah, dude. Seeing House of Pain on a soundtrack, I start vibrating physically. It's, it's cool. It really gets me going. I know I'm in a good place. It's cool, because it's like, all these fucking metal bands collabing with uh, rap artists, and then Sonic Youth and Cypress Hill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a real one A one B there, but whatever. You gotta fill out a soundtrack. So while I was watching this movie, I I was again wholly convinced this entire Dennis Leary part was ad libbed. They got him away from recording the asshole song or whatever to just like shout lines at homeless <laughs> people, whatever. And then I watched another movie from this director called Blown Away. And let me tell you, oh, man. his dialogue is just like that all the time. Oh, that rules. Now let me give you the plot of Blown Away. Okay, so Jeff Bridges has escaped from the IRA and fled to Boston. Because he used to work oh, for them. Yes. <laughs> and the reason he's able to get away is because he turned on fellow Irishman Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> I am so in. <laughs> Who has spent 20 years in an Irish prison. You see, Tommy Lee Jones is the greatest bomb maker in all of Ireland. <laughs> he escapes prison, somehow also ends up in Boston. Weird coincidence that these two Irish dudes ended up in Boston. I don't know how to explain how that happened. And they just shout cool guy dialogue at each other while things blow up. Like, okay, so Chris, this movie came out in 1994, which means two things. One, there's no Mark Wahlberg who could have played any oh. any of these parts, literally any of them. And two, and more importantly, there's no Dropkick Murphys. Oops. Would you like to guess what band takes Dropkick Murphys' place in an extremely prominent spot on the soundtrack? Trapped. You two... <laughs> Yo, what the fuck? Oh, That's, that is the worst thing to ever happen to Boston. Well, you see, they're Irish, <laughs> so... <laughs> this movie really has it all. It has fucking... <laughs> Jeff Bridges retires from the force to spend more time with his wife, because of course, he has hidden his identity, and no one knows he was in the IRA, because now he works for 
the bomb defusal unit. He retires. His his old partner gets a fresh-faced Forrest Whitaker doing a Boston accent as his new partner. And then immediately dies. Because the turns out, when they go to the crime scene, the bomber was just, like, trying to make the bomb ricochet off seven different things to kill the bomb disposal agent. Because he's a bomb genius or something. I don't know. It, I cannot stress enough how bad the accents are in this movie. Because... Tommy Lee Jones doing an Irish accent is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. But also, Jeff Bridges is doing the Boston accent until the jig is up and it's revealed that he used to be the IRA and he switches to an equally bad Irish accent. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the dialogue of this movie is so fucking quippy. It is unreal. But also, because it's a movie about a guy that makes custom bombs, we get both exceedingly excessive Rube Goldberg bombs and also absurd early 90s pyrotechnics. When Tommy Lee Jones is blown up in his mad bomber lair, it's just like a derelict freighter in Boston Harbor where the explosion takes literally a minute and a half because they shot it from so many different angles and it looks so cool that they just keep showing it. Chris, what if I told you this is the second movie I've ever seen where there were explosions synchronized 1812 Overture? (gasps) (laughs) Only your seconds? Chris, what if I told you that the reason 1812 Overture is in this movie is because the Boston Orchestra is playing it for 4th of July? I am rock solid. (laughs) Chris, what if I told you <laughs> Jeff Bridges meets one of his IRA contacts <laughs> because he's one of the concession guys at Fenway Park. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, this director made two movies in two years in Judgment Night and Blown Away, and both are future episodes. Like, Chris, you've seen Under Siege, right? No, I haven't. Okay, well, all you need to know about Under Siege is it's like a shitty Steven Seagal movie where Tommy Lee Jones is massively overacting the whole time. Good. This is just that without Steven Seagal. <laughs> and more Boston. All right, here we go. It is, like, the, the fucking old guy who's also on the force, who is apparently also in the IRA, I shit you not, talks exactly like the pirate on Spongebob. Like, <laughs> I'm 10 minutes into this movie, and my first note is, I can't believe they got a real-life pirate to be in this movie. <laughs> it is incredible. Like, this is a movie that is somehow two hours long, and it doesn't feel it, because it's just explosion, and then, like, you see, like, one of the fucking bombs that he sets up... <laughs> He's like, it involves a roulette wheel and, like, mercury pouring onto it to spin the roulette wheel around. It, like, drops something into a tank. It's just like a fucking game of mousetrap, dude. It's incredible. Okay, hold on. I'm penciling this in for the near future. Buddy, we thought we watched all the Boston movies, and it turns out we missed a good one. I actually just downloaded Under Siege yesterday, so I might have a big day ahead of me. That's that's a good one-two combo. If you are very passionate about early '90s Tommy Lee Jones trying to get his Oscar, that is you know I am. Dude, Jesus Christ, this fucking accent is one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever heard in my life. It's like on I'm the so same level as Liam Neeson as a redneck. Like, 
It's <laughs> so bad. All right, I only got uh, what, two more here to get to. Um, so I found a movie on my good friend Amazon Prime called Followed. It came out in 2018. Now let me give you the premise for Followed. You guys remember that uh, that viral video from like seven or eight years ago? From that girl that was acting real erratic in that hotel, and it was like the last footage they ever had of her before they like found her like dead. And that like that no. okay, well this was a thing. <laughs> uh, apparently it was enough of a thing that other people told me about it when I told them about this movie. But like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. Apparently there's this like old hotel in L.A. that like is you know allegedly haunted or whatever. And this video was like part of the lore, and like a bunch of old people died there too or something. So this is a movie about a fucking YouTube influencer. Who gets sponsored to go spend, like, Halloween weekend in this hotel. So it's basically a found footage movie of this dude, like, doing shitty YouTube commentary and then ghost shit happens and then they run away. And it's actually, like, pretty good in terms of, uh, like, quality of a movie. Like, everything looks good. It doesn't seem chintzy. Like, the... The plot is something that while you're watching, because Parker, I know you'll watch this. Uh, it's I. I cannot believe I haven't. seen I don't know this. how you haven't seen it either. But uh, like, I know you'll watch this, and I know that like, you'll get to like the breadcrumbs of plot, and you'll go, "Oh no, please don't do this." And just so you know, now it's exactly what you think it's gonna be. With God damn it, it always is. But like, the movie looks good. It's fun. The scares are okay. <laughs> The twist sucks, but most importantly, and I am burying the lead here, like, ten minutes into the movie, the fucking vlogger guy is interviewing this guy who's an expert on old haunted hotels or whatever, before the scene where, like, he cuts the interview short, where the guy's like, no, you can't go there, it's really fucked up, don't go there, it's just, you really don't want to go in there, a bunch of messed up stuff happen, but during the interview, he just does a line as Yoda. <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> fucking guy's Yoda impression <laughs> just did a lot for me. God damn it. Okay, that's happening. <laughs> yeah, you will. You will enjoy this. This is extremely your shit. Like, I, I again, I'm shocked you haven't seen this because like the reviews for it are actually pretty good and like pretty plentiful. I don't know how this escaped me? I, I don't either. But yeah, you'll you'll have you'll have a plenty fine time with this. Chris, you can skip it. <laughs> Unless you want to see the Yoda impression and immediately dip out. I, I'm sorry, I, I don't really go for found footage, even with Yoda impressions. I don't blame you. That is definitely, like, a personality positive. This is one of those things that I saw, I immediately added to my watch list. I mentioned to her a couple days ago, last night, she's like, Hey, let's watch that found footage influencer movie you found. I'm like, well, I'm not gonna say no. Which one? <laughs> I'm going to go down a deep rabbit hole of that viral video, because I have not thought about that in a long time. Yeah, right? That's going to that's gonna occupy a lot of my brain space tonight. It's like, they even do the thing where they input, like, the Urban Legend button code on the elevator to, like, get this thing to happen. And the guy's like, yeah, see, it's cool, it didn't happen. And then it starts to happen, and he, like, freaks... It's... They do okay with it. It's not bad. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna insert a little not-actually-going-to-talk-about-this-movie note in here, but, uh... We watched some documentary about, like, training guide dogs or whatever. I don't know. Sometimes you lose control with the remote. It happens. But uh, in the first five minutes when they're setting up, you know, how important it is to, like, train guide dogs for the blind, we have this guy who's just, like, you know, on the verge of tears, like, the dog saved my life. 
as you see a silhouette of 9-11 in the background, and it did things to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even write down the name of this movie, but, like, I just... Somebody out there needs to know that. My brain. You know, if that dog had been on that plane with Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> my, things would have gone differently. My brain is pudding. <laughs> and last, but certainly not least, I watched a movie called Future Sport. Now let me set up the plot of Future Sport for you. The year is 2025. Regular sports have been mostly eradicated, and Future Sport, as it is called, <laughs> has taken their place. Now, when I describe Future Sport, the easiest way that you can conceptualize it is it's Quidditch on hoverboards. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> this is a made-for-TV movie that came out in 1998. That is set in the near future, which means it looks exactly like you expect it to. Our hero, Dean Kane, who is playing a character named <laughs> Tremont Ramsey. Okay. Okay. A lot of jokes on here tonight, guys. You see, ten years ago, he was the most promising rookie in the NBA. Don't ask. But he got kicked out for match-fixing. Also, don't ask. And Wait, he turned. Dean to... Kane played in the NBA. We'll he turned. This. He <laughs> not only did he play in the NBA, but he was the best player in the NBA. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. Right. So he gets kicked out and turns to a sport organized to settle gang disputes by Wesley Snipes, who plays a character named Obike Fix. <laughs> Also, he's Jamaican. That's a Fat Albert character. What the fuck are you talking about? That's, also, that's a character from Pootie Tag. He, he's Jamaican, but it's Wesley Snipes in a made-for-TV movie doing a Jamaican accent. Yes. Oh my god. We see a lot of footage of Future Sport itself. Because, you see, Dean Kane is one of the stars of this league. Although, he is, uh... <laughs> He's apparently on the on the fading end of his career because he just wants to do nothing but shoot and not pass to such extremely cool characters as Jet, Scythe, Anarchy, and a guy named Hatchet Jack whose character gimmick <laughs> is that he literally has like a cage embedded into his skin over his right eye. He has a cage embedded into his skin. I, it's like a piercing, but it's a cage that's in front of his eye. Mm -hmm. uh, it's exactly how you're picturing it. Don't worry. I might have to see this. So anyway, <laughs> just to visualize you naming all his little Final Fantasy Guild characters. There just reminds me of the characters from the uh, from the Oasis. So, <laughs> so anyway, the bad guys in this movie are the Hawaiian Liberation Movement, who are just going around doing terrorism. Because now, uh, apparently, in 2025, we have the North American Coalition and also the Pan-Pacific Alliance, and they're, like, the two superpowers. But also, the guy that's in charge of, like, the Pan-Pacific Alliance is just, like, this smarmy British guy. Don't worry about it. So the Hawaiian terrorists, what are they doing? Are they making a guy feed himself the lion? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot stress enough how cool the opening of this movie is because it's Dean Cain being late for his interview because he's doing too much sex with a famous person 
He goes down to meet his ex-girlfriend, Vanessa Williams, for an interview. And the terrorists attack. And they're like, we're looking for Trey Ramsey. Trey Ramsey, show yourself and no one else will get hurt. So naturally, he jumps on his hoverboard and does cool tricks on them. <laughs> Damn it, how do you... <laughs> I feel it's such a good week. This isn't fair. Like, this is one of those movies that's not a future episode because the second act is so weak. But, like, the, the first ten minutes of this and the last ten minutes of this are, like, some of the coolest sections of movies I've ever seen in my life. Because... This might be in my future. It, like, this movie is set ostensibly in New Orleans, but it's 2025 New Orleans with, like, a shitty CGI skyline pan in. So, it's exactly what you want. We get a whole subplot where, like, you know, they bring the coach back for the national team. Like, it's fucking Kurt Russell and Miracle. And they get all the guys together. And then the Hawaiian terrorists just murder the coach. And they have to go do fucking tricks on the terrorists to, like, save Dean Kane's girlfriend or something. Don't worry about it. And then... <laughs> they win the match. So they win the match... They get to keep Hawaii, because apparently at some point in this movie, the plot morphs into just robot jocks, where they do sports for territory. And the following exchange occurs. Someone in a suit runs out with a big, stupid 1990 cell phone and says, <laughs> Trey, President Clinton is on the line. To which Dean Kane turns back and says, tell Chelsea I'll call her back. <laughs> I think it'd be Kelsey. <laughs> Chris, Steen or Stain? <laughs> Which one are you in, dude? You gotta let us know. <laughs> I swear at one point in this movie, I thought Wesley Snipes, in his mailed-in Jamaican accent, was gonna say Zibba Zabba Lamo. It's <laughs> so fucking good. <laughs> Like, if you're listening to this show, you don't need to watch this movie. If you're Chris or Parker, you might need to watch this movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be busy. <laughs> yeah. It has been an adventure. And I watched, like, the first 20 minutes of Battlefield Earth and ran out of time. But, like, don't you worry, those assignments are coming for me. They are hot on my tail right after I watched Battlefield Earth, which is one of them. And also, this movie I found... Where Roy Scheider gets attacked by an evil police helicopter. Sorry, what? <laughs> I forgot the name of it, but it's on my it's Damn on my it. prime list. Let me. Yeah, let me I, see. It, this should be easy enough. Fine, you're gonna make me look it up. I mean, once you bring something like that up, it's gotta it's gotta be out there in the aether. But uh, okay, what do we got? Blue Thunder. The cop test pilot pilot for an experimental police helicopter learns the sinister implications of the new vehicle. Starring Roy Scheider. God, that sounds good. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Anyway. I'm so jealous. Parker, buddy, what you got for us? Alright, well, uh, let me just look at the recording time. No, no, okay. no just just go. I'll be just, brief. No, no hey, come just on, go. Come on, oh, no, I actually don't really have that much. Because, yeah. uh, like, Two of what I watched, we just talked about. I, uh, hey, Chris, you want to talk about how fucking good Cemetery Man is? Hell yes! Because <laughs> this is where I've decided to change, uh, instead of describing horror movies as, like, is it good or is it, like, is it good? Like, is it, like, a good movie or is it, like, 
a super Italian movie? <laughs> and the answer is The Cemetery Man is incredibly Italian. So, Parker, is this and, your first uh, time watching it? Sure is. Holy shit, can you imagine if you grew up with this movie? I... <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, I started watching it before work one day. I was like, oh, I got too late. I'll have to finish it tomorrow. Unbeknownst to the fact that about the halfway point is where everything falls off the rails in ways only Italian horror movies do. Now, let's be, let's be turns, clear. This is very, very Italian horror movie before the halfway point. And then it gets, like, weird it gets, even for Italian horror movies. I mean, like, I'm like, this is a pretty cool premise. And then when I come in the next day, it's like, oh, the Grim Reaper's home just also just start killing real people. And he just starts hallucinating and murdering people in the street. It's pretty good stuff, man. What yeah, a good ass movie. I, I, it's so much fun. It reminds me in a lot of ways of Dead Alive, uh, in, in in like the best kinds of ways. But it's so much less comprehensible than that movie. I don't know why I haven't seen this before because I've been aware of it for a while. I think I knew it was a foreign movie, and then I downloaded. It's like, oh my god, it's all in English. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Yeah, like, that's just like let it wash of, over me. That's one of the nice things about. Although I will admit, like. The Italian title is so much better, Della Morte, Della More. It's like it's real way good. Better. But that's how I always saw the title. Like, like, ooh, this looks fun, but I don't feel like reading a movie. I'm going to work in two hours. Like, I'm right. not. I'm not trying to concentrate right now. I'm just trying to keep the thoughts at bay. Yeah, as one does. <laughs> so, Chris, here's a movie that you might be into. How many movies did so... you watch? Jeez, we're going long enough. <laughs> <laughs> fucking nerve. So, uh, four women get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> so you even referenced again today uh, the movie House of the Devil that you really liked? Uh, well, it, it was pretty good. Uh, I think I had problems with the ending, but overall I, I, I did like it. So that director, Ty West, made a western movie called In a Valley of Violence. Oh. In which Ethan Hawke and his dog are just roaming through the Old West and they end up in this town. And he accidentally crosses the deputy's son, who's a real piece of shit. He's like, you know what, fuck this. He knocks the dude out cold in front of the whole town, grabs his shit and leaves. The deputy's son and his gang roll up on in the middle of the night, murder his dog John Wick style. And the rest of the movie is Ethan Hawke just taking out violent revenge on all these people. And also the deputy's John Travolta. (laughs) (laughs) So like... Definitely in Chris's future might be in Alex's future. Half my I mean, attention. That's great. You went from being like, oh yeah, it's Wild West John Wick to also John Travolta is involved. John Travolta's not bad. Either. We will we will get to John Travolta. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I've talked about these before. Let me just mention that I watched a Chuck Norris film called The Octagon. <laughs> <laughs> which is has a really awesome ending 10 minutes and everything else up to it is indecipherable nonsense in which ninjas are training Irish terrorists <laughs> Chuck Norris has to stop them yet another movie that could have used shipping up to Boston <laughs> it is like 80 minutes of like what the fuck are any of these people talking about what are these flashbacks why does he keep referring to this very clearly Japanese man as his brother why is there so much voiceover and then he gets to the Octagon and just murders a bunch of people, and it's real good. And, uh, you know what? I think that'll do it. We're two hours in. I don't need to talk about Monsters, Inc. It's fine. Let's talk about Purple Rain. What is there even to say about Monsters, Inc.? <sighs> How much is there to say about Sex in the City, too, I asked an hour and a half ago. <laughs> I've, this other joke that I found. 
Okay, so uh, Purple Rain, released in 1984, starring Prince. <laughs> you guys have listened to Prince's music before watching this, right? Of course. <laughs> Prince fucking owns. Parker. Parker. <laughs> Bits of it. I mean, yes. I know who Prince is. I know the songs that everyone knows. Well, that's the thing. Is like this is actually Parker and I. Uh, this is our first time actually watching the movie, but we've heard the songs before, so it's kind of nice to see him performing them. Like I've seen, like Parker, I've seen like YouTube clips of him performing. Uh, the two of the classic ones are him performing "Purple Rain" at the Super Bowl and performing "While My Guitar Gently Weeps" at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, but so the movie's like starting off. I'm like, oh boy, already starting kind of weird. They're doing the intro to "Let's Go Crazy," which is really really famous. It's the opening track of the album. And it's got all these made-up people just kind of, like, gazing into the camera. And you're just in, like, I think a pinball machine at some point. I'm like, all right, what are we doing here? So so let me pause you for one second. You guys remember when Kingsman 2 came out and you guys hated it immediately? And it took me, like, five days to realize how much I hated it? Oh, I actually think it was a little bit closer to uh, your reaction. But yeah, go ahead. So that movie also opens with Let's Go Crazy. And that's... I think 90% of the goodwill I had for it. I like, genuinely do not remember Let's Go Crazy at the beginning of Kingsman It's too. that night car chase where he ends up at the pond, like, and he has to go underwater in the meme car. D- yeah, dude. Wow. This I is, like, literally the only part now. of the movie I cared about, dude. Trust me. Oh, it's all it's all coming back to You're me right. now. That was actually very easily the best part of the movie. I think we agreed on that. I wish it wasn't. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so... I have to admit, as weird as all that stuff is, all those people are kind of, like, looking at the camera and, like, those weird shots and everything. Prince is just so cool. Once the song gets going, it's just... Boy, he's just good at this, isn't he? Like, Prince is the coolest human being I've ever seen in my life. It's not yes. close, either. Like... Yeah. Uh, like, let me put it this way. I'm pretty sure David Bowie is the second coolest person I've ever seen in my life. And, like, every time somebody tries to cancel him, I'm just like... Yeah, you're probably right. He'd probably fuck kids. If somebody came at me and was like, yeah, you know, Prince fucked a 14-year-old once, I would just hit them. Like, you're just lying at that point. <laughs> I would literally... Like, I just assume that just anyone who played rock music in the 70s fucks teenagers. So, while he's uh, performing this nice song, uh, we see two other people. One of them is a woman who will be known as Apollonia. Uh, which I have to admit, it was really funny when she goes into like the nightclub, right? And, the, and she gives her name to the woman who's serving drinks, and she's like, "Really, Apollonia?" Uh, apparently, she wasn't originally uh, set to star in this movie. You were originally <laughs> going to use one of Prince's proteges. Do you know who Prince's protege was? I at the sure time? do. Does Parker know? <laughs> Absolutely, I do. Oh, our good friend Vanity from Never Too Young to Die. <laughs> really forking the road. It all there. comes back around. <laughs> <coughs> I don't need this. I have to Prince take a more project. lucrative deal with jeans. Nowhere. This is going to be like the black people's version of Cool as Ice. I'm going to be in Never Too Young to Die with John Stamos. <laughs> but that guy has sexual charisma. <laughs> I mean, yes. I've had However, enough of also... your harassment. I'm going to clown college. <laughs> <laughs> now, we also get another friend here. And for the first part of this movie, I was just calling him... The other guy. Are you suggesting that Prince is Weezin Ed? <laughs> yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Morris Day and the Prince of the Netherworld. <laughs> 
So yeah, this is a uh, Morris Day, Morris Day in the time. Which uh, Parker, you said you watched a few Universe movie where they mentioned him. To pretend that you also didn't watch Dance Mob <laughs> Strikes Back growing up, like, absolutely go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right, guys, I, I am so, gonna to pretend you didn't. Go ahead. Oh, no, go no, ahead. you do your you do your Kevin Smith thing that I don't understand. I just Chris and I. I know he already knew the words to Jungle Love because it's in that dog shit movie. Like, he's going to sit here and point fingers at me like he didn't already know the song, and that's fine. This will be remembered in the game of games. So, I have a request at this point. Moratorium on talking about Morris Day's second song in this movie until it comes up, because that's going to be the whole podcast. Yeah. Okay, first things first. We know Um, us. So, like, uh, Prince is performing Let's Go Crazy with the Revolution, and he's doing a whole bunch of stuff that isn't even in the song. He's playing the piano with his feet. It sounds awful, but still sounds cool, you know, for some reason. And uh, and then, uh, you know, Morris Day is just sort of in the audience. I'm just like, who is this mystery character? Is he going to hook up with Apollonia? I hope he has a great role. And then he opens his fucking mouth. <laughs> and his voice. <laughs> that can't be his real voice. That's impossible. No one has a voice like that. Do the impression. I don't think I can. (laughs) It makes me feel self-conscious. I feel self-conscious enough just, you know, being in the presence of Prince. Like, I'm not trying to say that I'm cool, but, like, I've jumped out of a plane. I've traveled the world. I've made fun of Joel on Discord. Like, I've done some cool shit in my life. (laughs) I see this fucking guy come up on stage. I'm just like, yeah, I got nothing. I'm out. It's it's you, Muddy. Do your thing. Whatever you want, man. Exactly. Like how in the, how are you supposed to follow that act? Well, you follow that act with, I have to admit, pretty good song. Yeah. It's not as good as Let's Go Crazy. I mean, what is? But turns out Morris Day and the motherfucking time, they were actually yeah. Pretty talented. That's the thing about this movie is like every song is good except for Darling Nikki. Oh, wait, actually... <laughs> Get there, don't worry. Darling the song doesn't need to be off. good. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah, it's bad Nikki on purpose. We now hard. understand from the movie. <laughs> no one knows what it means. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's song when it comes on in the club, you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, who put this on the fucking jukebox? Show yourself. <laughs> I was supposed to be playing The Boys Are Back in Town for the fifth time tonight, and you put this shit on there? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Would they start playing Morris Day something, which I, I don't know the name of the first one they plays. Would the police start dancing along to it just spontaneously? I thought that was really funny. I was laughing really hard. So, that. I that thought was, it was, was funny, really and then I thought, are those just regular club goers that are dressed like police? Because <laughs> I wasn't be, sure. You know, that's like maybe the aesthetic that they're going <laughs> for there. But I imagine my brother dancing to that, and like, he would absolutely do that. Uh, you know, so that's the weird thing about this is we'll get to Morris Day later on. God, we have to. But, like, for the antagonist in this movie and, like, a really wretched person who is clearly high out of his mind for the entire movie, his movie, his music is so good that it's like, well, I can almost see, like, a competition between him and the revolution. So, like, it's, that, that's a really good thing about this is that you're not going to have a bad time listening to this until Darling Nikki comes up. So, uh, <laughs> Prince leaves the club because he's... I think the implication here is he's a little bit miffed that Apollonia is looking at uh, Morris Day, and he takes his purple motorcycle to (laughs) the suburbs, and uh, 
So, Prince, it's it's just kind of a weird thing here. Like, okay, so the movie is semi-autobiographical, and everything that I've read about Prince, I've read a fair amount about him, means uh, this is not only personal to his heart, but also really accurate. He really did have a very bad home life, and his uh, father was very abusive. And uh, I can see how this would influence both the character of Prince and also the music of Prince. And I, I can understand showing it, but... To have him in full purple regalia on the purple motorcycle, he still lives at home with mom and dad. That that was this was like literally like our takeaway from the movie watching it tonight. It was like, you really want me to believe that this fucking guy lives at home? Fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's so difficult to to buy this. Like he's not gonna live in the suburbs. He's gonna have like a real. He has like a penthouse mansion or something on like the nineteenth floor of the Chrysler Building or something. Come on, no way. This dude lives in the <laughs> smallest home I have ever seen. Now, Chris, he brings Apollonia to his mom and dad's. Basement. Oh, we will get there. <laughs> we we have. Oh, we will we get have there. We can't jump. a journey to go on to get there. But I'm glad. Oh, sure. I'm glad you brought up the purple motorcycle for two reasons. One, this is the only car in anything I've ever seen before today that was on the level of the Hulk car. And two. I saw something else that was on the level of the Hulk car today, because Blown Away has a fucking El Camino that's painted like the Irish flag with shamrock on the doors. <laughs> oh my fucking god. I knew I was forgetting something and I couldn't figure out what it was, and thank you thank, so I, I, like, I knew the fucking motorcycle would trigger it, and it's, it's, it'll be in <laughs> our future. I just want to <laughs> let like the FCC who's listening to this, that when you sue Alex for copyright infringement for the multiple instances of uh, of shipping up to Boston, know that he's the one who's putting into uh, this episode, not me. Uh, I let, let the record show that I stood with my good friends Bono and The Edge. <laughs> <laughs> Potato Man. Okay, so... Um, yeah, he's got this really cool motorcycle. You know one of the cool things about it is how good he is at riding this motorcycle with platform shoes? I've never seen a cooler person in my I, life. Like, he's here in Texas, it doesn't get much colder than a hoodie. And maybe on a rare occasion, gloves. But the whole movie, I'm thinking, like, I should get a scarf. I should get, like, three or four scarves. He, yeah, he's wearing two scarves at the same time. I've never wanted a scarf more in my entire life. I see life. him with the fucking studded pad on his one shoulder, and I'm like, why don't they play football with these? <laughs> he is literally dressed like a JoJo like, character. I want, <laughs> I want to be him so bad. I can't stress enough that like, there's a scene. It's like you see it for half a second, where like he's walking around his house eating like an old timey bag of Doritos, and I'm just like, there's no fucking way Prince ate Doritos. There's no way he's just a mortal that eats the things that we eat. I don't believe it. That's Would not realistic. Like he is. He's never seen that bag before in his life. <laughs> That's not actually Prince. So here's the thing about Prince is like you see all of his performances and he's so charismatic and he's so cool. You're like, wow, he if he has this much of a stage presence, he knows how to put on a good show. He knows how to entertain. He must be a really good actor. No. So the rest of the movie, uh, <laughs> he's just... <laughs> this is one of the worst acting leading performances I've ever seen but also I cannot stress enough that it doesn't matter in the slightest the quality of the movie right He's exactly so, so captivating. Prince like, genuinely does not care about acting he doesn't even want to I mean can we just talk about the scenes with his dad who's he comes sashaying in like a fucking swashbuckler like dad no stop <laughs> and it doesn't matter 
because he's the coolest person I've ever seen. <laughs> he's wearing platform shoes that get up to like 5'5", five five, gets pushed, and does like a full 720 as he flails Dude, over I, the wall. I, I and know. you're still like, this is the coolest person it's, I've ever seen. And no, he's just like, stop beating my mother, please. And he just gets pushed. Oh, and he just like twists and turns and follows her three it's chairs. The, oh my god, kid, get up. It's the kind of movie where like it's hard to jump out of order. It's hard to not jump out of order, I should say. But, like... Right, yeah. Fucking... The scene where, like, he finds his mom on the street and comes home into the house to confront his dad and is like, Dad! And then does a 360 spin and says, I know you're in here somewhere. Like... (laughs) (laughs) He's confronting his abusive father while dressed like both Sinbad and the Seven Seas and also just Sinbad from the 90s. And he's just, like, storming the house, knowing, like, a stiff breeze would take him down in those shoes. But he's still like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Dad, he, he just, what dad, is your coolest man on Earth going to do when he confronts Why did you punch out Rob Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, Sing him wait. a song. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have, to, we have to prevent ourselves from getting too far ahead here. Let's go back to Morris Day. I, it turns out there is, like, <laughs> there is, like, one impression oh, yes. I can do of him, and that's his laugh. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading some of the IMDb trivia, as we so often do. Turns out Morrissey was so high throughout filming that they literally had to drag him from his trailer to the set. It's what a game. it's honestly a performance on the level of the I feel like Mozart's on my dick scene from Spring Breakers. <laughs> <laughs> and just like seeing that the director of this is just like Prince's assistant. It's like, <laughs> How does this movie exist? Like, how did this all happen? If you were Prince, we- oh wait, if you were Prince, Sorry. you would do this too. Let's be real. So, but like, none of this should work for like the first hour. Like, I'm not asking this in an insulting way, but I was asking like, what is yeah. this? Like, is this a yeah. musical? Is this a biopic? Well, like, what I mean, Parker, like is you this said, drum- this, what is it? this? Was not directed by a real director, but the idea <laughs> actually germinated from someone else. I don't remember who. And they presented to the studio, be like, "Yeah, the Prince movie. We'll call it Dreams." And do you know who their? You know what their initial idea was? We'll have John Travolta play Prince. Oh my god! I would. What I wouldn't give don't, to be in that don't, universe. None of you say better movie. Don't. You you can take all seventy five stimulus dollars they're gonna send me in eight months. Like I just want to see it. I yeah. I have to know. Uh, that but alternate like, reality. So like that's the thing. You bring up the you know the lack of a real director in this movie, which is completely fair and valid. But also, this might be the best lit movie I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's so insane. <laughs> It makes no sense that somebody looks this good silhouetted against so many fucking fog machines with multicolored lights, like, streaming down on them. It is... Well, that's the thing, is that, like, for all the club scenes, which actually do look pretty good, usually one of my complaints with club scenes is you can't really see anything, can't really hear anything. Those all look good. And for all the scenes, even in his own house, even those scenes look good. This... These kind of uh, contrast very jarringly with all the Morris Day walking outside scenes with his <laughs> friend, I guess. That's who he is. And they're, I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know what they're trying to communicate. Like, these are very R-rated scenes with the language and everything. But it almost sounds like one of those, like, Cary Grant movies where they're walking outside talking about dames. Except they say, bitches. It's like, uh, anyway. there's like a five minute who's on first yeah. routine. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get <laughs> With to that. With his we, fucking we, 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 driver who's wearing get... a tuxedo? 
did we have to get to one of the best scenes in movie history? Correct. One of Morris Day's old flames confronts him. She waited up for him all night. You can't just treat women like that, Pootie Tang. And so he just snaps his fingers <laughs> and one of his henchmen associates picks her up and dumpsters her. <laughs> it is the most Hey Arnold thing I've ever seen in a real movie. <laughs> it really is. It is so abrupt, too. It's not even, like, dramatic or anything. It's just it's like they're throwing a W. Gene Simmons. <laughs> no, it's never mind. Sorry, it's a dummy of of Kel from Keenan and Kel. Keenan, ah! <laughs> Keenan, I don't know. Want to know what the rats think of the trash? Keenan, oh, it goes. I can see the fucking all that dummy just getting thrown off camera into a dumpster. <laughs> Like, she's still talking, he just picks her up and just heave-hoes her into a dumpster. And then she, then she gets, she raises her head out of the dumpster and she says, like, a little sarcastic quip, a little button on the end of the scene, like, Wow, he really knows how to treat a woman. Yeah, bum, and, bum, it, bum, bum, and bum, it's bum. like, they make the scene, like, under their feet as they're running away in Scooby-Doo. Like, oh, shit, she's out, let's get out of here. I'll try to find that sound effect for you. Imagine being so high that you can't physically leave a trailer and you're like, alright, uh, Morris, um, today we're gonna throw a woman in a dumpster. <laughs> like, how do you even comprehend that that's happening in front it's, of you? It's such an incredible scene. And then it transitions into an even more incredible scene. Which is, of course, Prince taking Apollonia on his motorcycle out into the woods while they talk whoa, about whoa, wait, stardom. Wait, 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 before that, they go on a... I don't know if this is a date. They're just outside and looking in shop windows at night. And he sees a white guitar and is like, Yeah, I really like that. And uh, he makes her take off some jewelry on her ankle. And then he says, It's mine now. She says, Hey. <laughs> he and he steal back. her jewelry. Yeah. That, <laughs> Which, that, to be fair, would look better on him. Look, that's a move that no other human being in human history could ever pull off. Like, male or female. Like, Prince yeah. is the only one that can make that scene work. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, they do go out on a... I guess they're just a couple now. He just takes her out on a date like James from Twin Peaks on his motorcycle. And they're just riding along in the wilderness. And I think what's so funny about this is this is a very, very purple motorcycle. And this is a very, very rest of Minnesota. And uh, it, so it kind of stands out there, him and his little pirate outfit and everything. And they go to some <laughs> toxic waste dump. <laughs> And uh, she's like, yeah, I'd really like to make it in the music industry. He says, well, you know, it's not that easy. You wouldn't pass the initiation. And she says, okay, what does that involve? He says, well, step one, you have to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. So I'm curious. uh, Did you guys know what that was a reference to before this scene? No. Okay. Not explicitly. I just assume like, yeah, Prince probably says something like that. That sounds like something Prince would say. I thought it was just like a Minnesota thing. I thought it was just like, wow, Dave Chappelle pulling out the uh, geography thing. And now it turns out it's from Purple Rain. (laughs) It's such Uh, a... Turns out just all of the references and outfits are just Purple Rain. Which is fair. I mean, you know. It's such an incredible gag, too. Because... Oh, yeah, we have to to talk about this whole scene. Yes, we do. Because (laughs) Apollonia dumps them out and... I, I try not to do this, but like, dude, they're perfect. Yeah, she looks incredible. I what see why. Fuck? I see why they uh, went with their uh, quote-unquote second choice here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, then she decides that she will jump in there. And uh, I, I think in talking with Dan, I wish we could get him on the phone here. A lot of people, they hear the from the print sketch, Purify Yourself in the Waters of Lake Minnetonka. Apparently, don't ever do that. It is extremely unhealthy. <laughs> and the water that she jumps into looks even unhealthier. This It looks like a toxic waste dump. And uh, he says, by the way, that's not Lake Minnetonka. Gets on his bike and, and just it rides just away. fucking leaves. And it's like, <laughs> you're watching this movie, and, like, you know it's a movie, so he's gonna come back. But also, like, there's a part of your brain that's like, he might just fucking leave her here. Yeah. He's, he's cool enough. He could do it. She would follow him home and be like, haha, yeah, that was a really funny joke that you made me hitchhike my way four hours home back to Minneapolis. So what are you doing tomorrow? Just soaking wet. <laughs> it's about this part in the movie where I realized I need a motorcycle. Dude, like, I... More than I've ever needed I anything. I get motorcycles now. I didn't get it before this. Now it's just like, oh. Okay, cool. I'm in. Like, he's even got the dorky giant fucking windshield in the front. And it doesn't matter because you're just like, oh, fuck. Prince is on a motorcycle. That means motorcycles are cool. Exactly. He's even got, like, the child safety seat on the background where Apple... Oh, by the way, this... I don't know why. This is so funny to me. Okay, so he's like, okay, get dressed. You can ride on my motorcycle now. And he does, like, the, the fake out, oh, I'm going to drive away thing, like, three times in a row to her. <laughs> that... I was laughing so hard. I was like, what if he just does that the entire way back to the city? <laughs> Look, that is always a good bit. <laughs> he just keeps doing it. Like, I cannot stress enough that even if this motorcycle had a sidecar that he made her buckle her seatbelt in, he wouldn't lose any cool points because he's Prince. Put on a little helmet like that monkey in Speed Racer. He would just wear a cape to counter it. Oh, and it'll right. be okay. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Oh, the monkey. Though. <laughs> that road. <laughs> we can't. No, no, we're no, already no, looking no, 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 no. The reason that purifying yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka is so hard is because that is the known stomping grounds of one Bonzo. <laughs> Wait, wasn't wasn't Michael Jackson the one who had, like had a pet monkey or something called a Bubbles? That was Ross, dude. <laughs> Wait, Bubbles was also the monkey from Speed. <laughs> Too many monkeys are named Bubbles. <laughs> Well, uh, King Kai's monkeys, okay, actually. Guys, okay, all right, we have to focus on the movie. So they have an Abbott and Costello this. routine over the password. What's the password? Yes, exactly. Exactly is the password? could not believe. <laughs> what? How long this has been on for? <laughs> I was, again, this is a situation where I'm just kind of staring at the screen with, like, my jaw agape, being like, they're not really doing this, are they? In any other movie, this is an outtake. In any other movie, like this doesn't even get filmed. Like they, they read this in the script, and they just look at it on the day of filming and go, nah. And they just put a big red X over it. <laughs> Dennis Leary would have had many words to say in this scene. Yes. <laughs> nah, I tell you what, what's on first, motherfucker? I just, you need to know what, what you know. <laughs> Your fucking ears don't work, you fucking... Hey, cut. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey. Reel it back. We're Chicago, not Boston. <laughs> well, Minnesota, anyway. Uh, Same thing. You know, kind this of movie a... has like seven consecutive scenes where you just keep asking like, what... What are we doing? What? Yeah, that's like the weirdest story? thing. It's like Morris what Day is—is is this like what he is like in real life? Turns out he was really high when he did these scenes. Like, I can't so. stress enough that like as we're watching all these scenes that have no connection to the rest of the movie, you're captivated. And you want to keep watching. 
Exactly. You're like, oh, when's he going to come? I was still watching. Okay, so like uh, after this, this is uh, this is a pretty good scene, and apparently this is actually based on a true story, and it's it's a little awkward. So I don't know if you guys ever saw uh, "Let It Be" by the Beatles, but it has a very awkward scene between uh, George Harrison and Paul McCartney, where they actually get into an argument, and that's where you start to reveal some of the uh, tensions in the band uh, before they actually broke up. Something similar happens here. Uh, two of the women in the revolution, which I, I guess kind of progressive, having like uh, two uh, female musicians in your uh, band, uh, they they have a song. They're like, "Hey, could you uh, play the song that we have?" And he's like, "And uh, they're they're really upset about it and everything." And then a new character enters. There's this really tiny man who lives in a cone, and he's kind of like the he's kind of like the <laughs> Jimmy Cricket for Prince. And, and like what he has his own voice and everything. What is that song? He's, this he's is? This little man. <laughs> yeah, he just lives in this little cone, and he pops up and he tells him, "You don't need them. I'm enough for you." I'm like, how did he get? How did they create? How was it CGI or something? Is, is this like stop motion? Is it animation cells it's, or something like in Space Jam? It's, it's incredible. It's so funny that you say this because I see this scene where Prince's mouth is not moving in the slightest, and I go, "Yeah, he could probably do that." Yeah, he probably learned that. You're saying Prince did that little man's voice? I mean, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, this movie has convinced me that Prince can literally do anything. So yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> okay, so uh, at, at this point, uh, they they go out to the uh, he goes out to perform with his band and tells his uh, bandmates, "Fuck you, I'm not playing your songs," which I guess is more or less what he said in real life. Which, to be fair, I'm on Prince's side because like he's Prince and everyone else isn't. So let's just play his song. I wrote a song. Oh wow, thank you. I'll throw that away. Yeah, that's, like, the coolest part of this fucking scene is, like, you know, we've all heard all of, like, the dumb stories about all these, like, 70s and 80s bands that, like, would be too high or drunk to go on stage and it would take them two hours and they just, like, fuck everything up. And it just was criminally uncool because people had to pay money for it. And then Prince comes out, plays one song, and just fucking leaves the club. And it's like, yeah, man, I'd pay, like, $35 for that right now in a heartbeat. Like, just do whatever you want, Prince. You're good. I've never wanted to be in a club more in my entire life than watching Parker, this movie. Th- sorry, th- As someone who could not be found dead in a club, I would give anything. Sorry, Parker, let's think of the Family Guy joke where uh, Ringo writes a song and they're like, oh, that's really nice, we'll put it right here on the refrigerator. <laughs> Same, but also the entire Beatles scene in Walk Hard. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we still let you play drums. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so he's really upset because he sees Apollonia sitting at the same table as Morris Day, and that's not fair. I want her. And so he sings a song about, uh, let me see if I can do my Prince impression here. Oh, baby, baby, girl, you let me out of my mind. And then he's just, just wailing, now, do you want him? Do you want me? I'm like, you know, no other person could get away with doing that. Like, that technique doesn't work. Most girls are just like, no, please don't do that. But it's Prince. So he can just, like, kind of do that. God, he's so fucking... Any other movie, like, any other movie, you would fucking hate this main character. Because he sucks ass. He treats everyone like shit the entire movie. But you're like, yeah, it's Prince. 
I would also spit in their face if they brought me a song. Fuck them. Well, see, that's the other thing. Who's that... Morris Day? I'm Prince. What do you get out? Get out of that table. So, so that's one of the things about there is Morris Day is flirting with this girl after the password scene is resolved. Thank goodness. Well, what was the and, password? Chris? Uh, yes. So anyway, uh, he says to her, uh, "Oh, I'm I'm so rich. I've got all these things. I've got a butler and everything." And she's just laughing at him. You know, women hate guys with money. And uh, the one <laughs> as guy, you would know this of, week. <laughs> and they, uh, <laughs> and and instead she is captivated by uh, by, by Prince, who's just honking like a goose. This, this fucking scene, <laughs> this fucking scene we get where Morris Day runs into her outside the pawn shop, and it's just like, oh yeah, it's like, hey, I could make you really rich, and she's like, nah, I'm good. And then the next scene is like, hey, Prince, I traded in all my jewelry to get you a guitar, even though I live in a hotel. Like, okay, and also, movie. I'm going to join his band. But, <laughs> okay, but before movie. we do that, but before we do that, he's like, "We're going to go to my place now," and uh, she's like, "Okay." And they go to the the little house in the suburbs with the abusive father, and he's like hiding outside the window, and she's just like, "Wow, does that happen all the time?" He's like, "Yeah, it's going to my basement." And uh, I gotta tell you, well, I'm- hope you're appropriately wet now that you've seen <laughs> the dad hit my mother. I like. <laughs> Like oh, if she's not there, if she's not properly lubed up by this boy, he puts on a tape. Oh, hey, let's listen to some romantic music. Boom, 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 It sounds like the fucking skeletons of David Pumpkin sketch. <laughs> and she's like, "What the fuck is this?" And he's like, "Oh, she's not actually orgasming. She's actually crying backwards." Makes me really sad sometimes. I gotta go, dude. <laughs> and she's just it's like Prince though. Why 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 would you why would you have this? Do you usually treat women like this? And he kisses her. <laughs> and he's like, No, I respect women, unlike my father. Who is like like like, like legitimately uh, like I'm not even trying to say this tongue in cheek. Like the character of Prince's mother in this movie might as well be played by Danger Aaron, because every time she's on scene she's just getting hit with something. <laughs> It's yeah, that's true. <laughs> I can't believe Prince's mother fell for the soup. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, he she hawks all her jewelry. She's got so much of it to buy Prince a white guitar uh, that has like a little dick on the top. It looks really cool. Yeah, and so but then cool. uh, she says, "Oh, and by the way, I'm going to join Morris Day's band," and he hits her. And, uh, you know, that's our hero, our protagonist, ladies and gentlemen, Prince, beating his love interest. And I guess it's understandable. I guess the, the idea that they're going for is, I had a very tough childhood. And it's like, that's the thing about this fucking movie. Because, like, in any other movie, you see that happen, and you're like, alright, well, fuck this guy. But right, in this, exactly. in this you're movie, out. you're like, yeah, well, it's Prince. He, really, he had a really hard life. He's working through some shit. Like, I'm, I'm sorry this happened to you, but also, like... You know, let's just get him get let him get there. You know, he's he's so cool. Exactly. You know, this this is uh, some sympathy for him. Also, she's so much taller than I mean, he we is. Don't... It's really she's picking on him. <laughs> Who's the bully? We don't know his whole story. I mean, let's get his side exactly. of things. Look at his motorcycle. Like... <laughs> I so, feel like if uh... anybody like literally doesn't understand what privilege is, just watch the way that like you yourself feel about Prince as you watch this movie. Yeah, that's what it is. That's how it works. Yeah. Because spoilers, the end of this movie is just him singing a song and her being like, 
Damn. I, I was guess wrong. I learned my lesson. <laughs> I deeply regret well, my role in the incident. Parker, the end of this... If you're wondering... <laughs> no, that's better than what I had. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, so some some other stuff happens, and he comes home after the club, and he sees uh, his, his mother is outside on the steps. She was beat up pretty bad. Goes into his house, pirouettes around, looking for his father, and uh, goes down to the basement. There's a secret room with a piano, and his father is playing a beautiful piano piece. And... Apparently, this is also based on real life. Apparently, his father was an extremely talented musician, and a Hold lot on. of Chris Boss say it. Say what somebody that plays the piano is called. No. <laughs> so anyway, his father was a very talented piano player, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and apparently Prince always wanted to live up to his father's standards like his his father had like perfect pitch and could just remember songs whereas prince actually had to write some of his stuff down which by the way you see a very brief glimpse of some of the uh sheet music that prince actually wrote that is some really complex shit it's like actually really detailed and it's it's this sort of complex sort of uh polyrhythmic stuff that still sounds good that only prince could come up with because prince was a literal genius so Prince is like again. He's one of those guys who's just good at everything. He he was great at basketball. He's great at music. He was great at riding a motorcycle and platform shoes, and he still felt a little insecure because he couldn't live up to his father's ideals and because he was five foot two. So uh, anyway, that's actually this is actually a really emotional scene. I don't know who's playing his father, but that guy's a really good actor because that whole never get married scene that almost brought a tear to my eye. It's like, it's like in a it, sorry everything I had to say was not good. Yeah. So so let me let me middle you two here because I'm on both your sides. <laughs> like this actually is like a really emotional scene and this dude is doing a fantastic acting job because you would think, you know, especially in a movie like this, there's no way in the world you're ever going to be back on the dad's side for any reason ever whatsoever period. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that like this dude is Showing so much emotion in so few words in this fucking movie where no one can act is really, really affecting. But also, Prince comes down there to confront his dad for beating his mom, and his dad says never get married and storms out, and then it just cuts to a club scene. So it's well, both emotional yeah, well, and the funny. The single tear. The single tear as I like, don't get married. It's like, every time we've seen you, you've been throwing her against the wall and telling her never to leave the house. <laughs> Okay, but All right. we, we have to talk I guess about. I feel bad. We have to talk about this next song here, uh, which, by the way, kind of weird thing. We didn't even talk about the uh, what Dove's cry scene, which is apparently really famous. Is that? I thought yeah, that happened like, later is, in this. Is that what this song's yeah. about? Does it really? <laughs> I think it happens after it this. Like, uh, well, it might. Which is weird because, like, I love the song with Dove's cry. I think that's one of the best songs I've ever heard. And everyone's talking about, oh, it's so famous when they played it in Purple Rain. I'm like, okay, I'm gearing up for it. And it's just like a bunch of people walking in the city. Yeah, that that was like one of those songs that like when I was growing up, my dad was like, this song is the stupidest lyrics I've ever heard. And he's not wrong. Like, it's a really stupid song. But also, like, it's Prince, so I don't care. It just sounds good. Yeah, exactly. You know? just, yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, this is the Darling Nikki scene. We gotta talk about this fucking song, dude. Because he's he's in a club and uh, they're like, oh, I don't know if he's still in his, I don't know if he's still in this one song bullshit, but uh, you you hear the 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 beat and I'm just like, oh no, is he gonna do? Is he gonna just play the tape that he has of the woman crying backwards? 
Anyway, he sees Apollonia with, uh, with Morris Day. And he looks at her, he starts singing Darling Nikki, which, first verse in, is just like she was masturbating with a magazine in the hotel lobby. And I'm just like, alright, is okay. this <laughs> Is this a song that, like, people know? Like, I, it's one of those things, like, I've known the, the existence of this song for a long time, so I have no concept of, like, whether the average person has ever it, heard it's, Darling Nikki. It's... it's it's definitely uh, pretty well known, mostly because of the controversy. Just saying the word "masturbating" in a song, like any other song, you'd use some sort of double entendre, and people would know. But to just say, "Yeah, she was masturbating," was uh, a pretty big controversy. It was, uh, it basically the way I would compare it to is more controversial, but not as catchy as "Little Red Corvette." Yeah, this song is one of the songs that kicked off the whole Tipper Gore government right, hearings yeah. about explicit music thing. Like, this was, I think it was one of her kids is listening to it. She was like, you fucking said what now? And that's in everything. Yeah, the, that's where you get the PMRC and stuff like that. And I remember one of the pieces of legislation actually in the state of Maryland said that none of the lyrics or cover art could uh, portray the act of human masturbation. So... Oh. Animal masturbation, <laughs> I guess, was fun. All the more reason to return to monkey. <laughs> I guess, yeah, animal masturbation is fine, or mechanical masturbation, or acts of government. And uh, he, so he's singing this song, and I gotta admit, uh, Alex, you're right. Not a really good song. It's <laughs> not like so. Like that's it's so interesting though, because like knowing the Prince catalog, which is ninety five percent bangers. The choice to put this in here, like it, it's almost like he had to like just like thumb through all of his two hundred songs and be like, "Oh, this one sucks. Let's throw this in there." But that's the thing. It's like I mean, it's like other musicals where it's like there's songs on there that you don't actually listen to, but they move the plot along. Well, that's okay. So I'm glad you brought that up, Parker. Is a lot of times where you have musicals, and not just any musical, but like a musical that's based on a real person and. I don't know, like, Elvis would have a song and be like, oh, he's going to be singing this to, like, uh, a, a girl that he wants to get with or something like that. And this was like, how do you fit Darling Nikki into this movie? Oh, he sings it to make Apollonia feel bad. Thanks. It's our hero. Uh, but, uh, so she gets mad because she thinks that Darling Nikki is directed at her, despite the fact that uh, she was not, in fact, masturbating in a hotel uh, lobby with a magazine. Also, her name isn't Nikki. And... Then Prince just starts, like, humping the floor over and over again. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, like, Darling Nikki's actually one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. I just thought it was really funny. It's like, wow. Very clearly it's impossible to think about Chappelle humping that basketball. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's... yeah, yeah. Also, it's like, wow, you know, this is so fucked up. I can't believe he'd do this. And then she goes and basically does a strip tease at the next bar when she's performing. And it's like, oh, wow, I guess Prince is yeah. a prophet. Cool. Yeah, that's... Well, he was a Jehovah's Witness. Anyway, the name of that song that they perform is called Sex Shooters. Get it? Like well, the, the, like the guns, but is fucking? Something like that. I don't know. Uh, I want to talk again about Morris Day and his laugh. He laughs like Polly Shore from Biodome. Future episode. It's like... <laughs> no. <laughs> Only takes two. No. Only takes no. two. No. Anyway. Parker, buddy, uh, these Dragon so, Balls can uh, still go either way. Ooh. Next Jeez. week's episode, so, Biodome. Oh, no, we're not doing Biodome. <laughs> Just cashing in. <laughs> I'm like the Miz with oh, the briefcase. 
want to do the bio. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, uh, oh yeah, his dad shoots himself in the head and survives. <laughs> that is like the most... Yeah, re- that, that was a hell It's a the most realistic depiction of gun ownership I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this guy he's had enough of beating his wife, so he decides to kill himself and misses. You're right, yeah, that's... She's that's like, damn, that's fucked up, and then they show him being stretched out, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> well, what is happening here? And then we get that, like, is it a dream sequence of him imagining himself just looking at that rope, like, 50 times, and then, like, hanging for half a second yeah. on a dummy they clearly yeah. couldn't afford? Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, uh, I guess the movie is uh, closing down now, and he's like, oh, I only have one last shot, because the owner of the club is like, I think the other club, he said something like, oh, we have three groups. We can only fit two. We're going to either take, what is it, the, the Vanity Six? No, they changed their name, so it's the Apollonia Five. I love the, like, we can only have four bands. Also, you'll never see the fourth band. Don't worry yeah, one, of them, one of them is Apollonia's band. The other one is Morris Day in the Time. And, well, Prince, we got to see if you can uh, really save your career here. Yes. You know? but, but before we get there, let's see what Morris Day can offer to us. <laughs> Oh, Prince, if you guys don't want to make a hit song, we're going to shut down the studio. <laughs> and also, we're closing down the ski lodge. Alright, so here's your competition. It's Morris Day flapping his arms around like a jackass and yelling about being the bird. So what I'm saying is, it turns out this movie actually stars Doug Peterson in blackface. <laughs> <laughs> Is it bad that I want to download the song? <laughs> Dude, this song fucks, but, like, it would fuck if you closed your eyes. You open your eyes, and you see him just, like, flapping around and calling, and it's like, oh, this should be the theme song of our podcast. <laughs> I'll fight every member of the revolution in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. In this fucking song. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's just... Like, when they take the breaks before, like, the fucking chorus for him to just call, I just, it's, fuck. Like, this song was written for you. I just want to be clear. When I suggested last week that we watch Purple Rain, I completely forgot about this song. So I was just (laughs) as happy and surprised as you were. You forgot about the call song? I sure did. It's been a long time, man. Like, back when the Eagles trophy case was still empty. Take me back. Oh, I was feeling good for a second. Okay, to really close things out, a powerful one. Boy, Prince can only play one song to save his career. Golly, what will it <laughs> hang be? On, hang on, don't... This isn't a big detail, but it's funny that he fucking sings his bird song. They get off stage and they just walk away like, Hey, man, how's your home life? Ah! They just walk <laughs> oh, wait, off wait, laughing wait, at him because his dad's trying to kill him. It's like they're walking past, they're talking about, Oh, yeah, look at me, only play one song. They walk past this thing and then he moonwalks back to the open door to look at Prince and be like, <laughs> Hey, Prince, how's the family? <laughs> it's a real player-haters ball situation <laughs> that was, here. One of the meanest things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's so like, fucking... You're just, like, expecting, like, one them. of them to just shove their bare ass up against the drum riser as the next song starts. <laughs> <laughs> I hope all the bad things in life happen to Morris Day and no one but Morris Day. If you'll excuse me, I gotta go home and change the water in Apollonia's mom's dish. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And then, and then Prince performs Purple Rain, and guess what? That song is still fucking fantastic. Hey, uh, this song was uh, written by my bandmates. Which... 18 naked cowboys <laughs> in the shows at the Rembrandt. So here's the here's he kind of plays this beautiful song in Apollonia's like, man, I'm so sorry you hit me. I love you. Let's go. Okay, you can beat me again now. It's all right. So here's kind of a weird thing um, about this is if you know anything about Prince and really most recording artists, it's that writing credit for a song is really really important, especially depending on like your contract because. Um, you know, that can depend on how much royalties you get from the song. It's like, oh, that's mine. That's why Lennon McCartney is one of the most powerful uh, writing credits. Bands have been destroyed over arguments over writing credits. Uh, there have been multiple lawsuits over writing credits. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, and that's one of the things with Prince is he actually, that's why he turned himself into a symbol is there was, you know, disputes with record contracts. And a lot of it is over control of the song. This is creative control of the song. This is what allows you to say no to the use of your song in a movie or, or in a cover or something like that. It's like, no, this one is mine. Uh, there was one of his disputes with uh, Sinead O'Connor when she covered... Uh, uh, what, what was it? Uh, it was like, Nothing Compares to You. That's actually a Prince song. But it's more well known as a Sinead O'Connor version and she didn't give him a lot of credit on it and he got really upset about it. And then in this movie, this movie which was number one in the US for 1984... He credits this song to two of his bandmates. In real life, they didn't write the song. This was Prince. This is this is him. Uh, I. It's just one of the strangest parts of the movie. For it's like, hey, I'm going to give them credit for this song. It's one of my most well-known ones. No particular reason. I'm also going to treat them like dirt behind the scenes. Purple rain. Purple rain. Eighteen more wild cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it turns out purple rain is still fucking fantastic i love this song dude yeah turns out all of prince's music is good and it kind of sucks yeah. ass that like history is eventually gonna forget it yeah well then he plays three more also by the way before we before we close out the movie with three more songs including i would die for you which uh I don't believe him when he says that. Okay, but he, he does really the really aggressive like. point into the crowd, so I do, actually. That, that's a fair point. That's fair I rebuttal. Mean, I don't have anything to... I would to die like. for you too, Prince. <laughs> it's, I, I like how six minutes into Purple Rain, uh, the club owner is just like nodding slowly like, you know what? I guess I'll keep him. <laughs> Damn, I guess he's talented after all. <laughs> now if you'll excuse him, he has to go ride around on his big purple motorcycle. For the seventh time in this movie. <laughs> and no one's complaining about it. Dude, I would watch a whole fucking two-hour movie of him just riding around on his motorcycle. It doesn't need dialogue. Like, it, I'm fine with it. You know, here's a... Unfortunately, Ready Player Two sort of ruined the motorcycle for me because you can't touch Prince's epic purple motorcycle. That's true. Purple is the and color of epic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I always say. It's really, really irritating. Um, but I still like the movie. I still had a good time with it, and uh, I might watch this again. Yeah, it's it's really good. Like it's it's both good, like lowercase G and capital G, which is very hard to middle. But like the performances and the plot are so bad 
but it's so compelling that you just don't care. And the music is so fucking amazing that, like, Chris, I know you have equally strong feelings to me when it comes to something like Stop Making Sense. Yeah. Like, this is, like, not a concert movie, but in a way it might as well be, because this is the only connection we're ever going to have with Prince. Yeah, that's a good point. And one of the things about it is that I think this was also sort of influential. I think a lot of other uh, recording artists attempted to do something along these lines. I've already made enough jokes about, like, Vanilla Ice and Cool as Ice did something that's kind of similar to this. But there are other ones out there. And, I mean, Elvis had been doing this beforehand. I've obviously never worked anywhere here as well. Uh, but Purple Rain is one that's going to stick with people for a longer time. And I think it's also partially because it was really important to black history. I mean, this was big. And when you look at the audience, it's not just black people who are out there. I mean, all the white people love Prince, too. Uh, it's, I don't know, I, I really appreciate this. And it's its one of those things that the more I think about it, the more I realize exactly what we lost. And uh, I, Parker, I, I'm sure you've heard about the fact that uh, in later on in his life, Prince turned really hard into Christianity. You see he wears a... A necklace with a cross on it throughout the entire movie. He became a Jehovah's Witness, and I, I guess he kind of went off the rails with that sort of stuff, but he really did seem devout. Like, one of the things that people are like, like, no, he's not doing a bit with a Christianity thing. He really believes in it. And, you know, if there is an afterlife, then I hope Prince is there, crossing up Kobe, as Ruth Bader Ginsburg looks on from the audience, <laughs> and David Bowie shows up naked, but with a lampshade on his head. And he's like, Wakanda forever. Alright, well that's a perfect segue into the game of games this week. Three thirty in the fucking Because I consulted the Shenron earlier. And uh it appears that I have some Dragon Balls to cash in. Oh, you know, no. you gotta get them in before the Super Bowl. It's just, it's Shenron's rules, not mine. I don't make them up. But uh, I went to Shenron and I said, my dragon friend, you know, we've had some great times over the years. But what I really, really want to do, what I really in my heart of hearts want to wish for, is to make my good friends play a game. So, welcome guys no. to the game of game of games. <laughs> now... Oh, fuck. fuck yourself. Okay, so I'm going to need you guys to do me a favor. I am going to share my screen here. God damn it. God, me is just... Let me know when you're in here. No, oh, I don't know. Watch stream. <laughs> God. I'm just so fucking tired, and now this... What is this? <laughs> Do I have two viewers? Can I see? I have you two do. viewers. Oh Old steroid ass and Bonzo Ball are both watching my stream. So I will let you guys decide amongst yourselves who will spin the wheel of the game of games first. Parker, go first. Yeah, I'll, I'll let spin. Bo- for the record, you, you will both end up with the same amount of things out of this. I went out of my way to find things that neither of you had seen. So let's spin the wheel. And God, I hope this is going to pick up on my fucking recording audio. (laughs) Now, I know that podcasts are not a visual medium, but it is for them right now. Parker. (laughs) 
<laughs> you will be watching Renacop, a movie that. Let's go ahead and take a look. This is a movie from 1987 where Burt Reynolds gets fired from the police force and then gets hired to protect Liza Minnelli. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Star of Sex and the City 2. Chris, it's time for you to spin the wheel. Okay. God, I've spent like the last hour thinking about Morris Day and a bunch of sheiks dumping Samantha in a dumpster. Chris, do you like parodies of The Purge where people eat food? Much like our good friend Immunity Joel idol. at weddings? Immunity idol. Uh, it doesn't work like that. Shenron says that they do not count for this. But do they stack? I have two. No, it's it's a Shenron Damn wish. It. You can't use them on wishes. We've been over this. That's for the game of games. This is the game of game of games. Alright, Parker, you are up. <laughs> what? Spin the wheel. This is so many movies. No, I wanted this one. Oh, The Naked Man. You sure you wanted it? Let's see what The Naked Man is. A man takes matters into his own hands when a pharmaceutical kingpin moves into his town to cause some real trouble, starring Michael Rappaport. Oh, <sighs> Yeah, you can have it. You just hold, hold that Let's thought, Christopher. Because it is now your turn to spin the wheel. Right. You don't want to. I hate this. I hate no wonder that you were like, so, wow, he's really like ready to go. He's up on top of it. He's like checking in on what time we're going. I wonder why. <laughs> All right, Christopher, you will be watching a movie called Beyond the Law, which came out in 2019 and stars Steven Seagal and DMX. Moving on. <laughs> All right, switch. I'll take the you guys, <laughs> we will open up trades after this is over. Alright. Oh, fuck you. No, you sent me that already. What is, no. What is this? See if no, Chris no, wants no, it. No, it's no. only 40 minutes of content. It's not that bad. Oh, what is this? Fuck. It's just two. It's Family Guy Season 17, Episodes 10 11. Yeah, what happens in there? What? Oh, uh, you tell me, man. We'll try. We'll talk. Okay. Let's, let's finish spinning the wheel and then we can talk about this because I'm not going to mention anything there. This is I a Chris movie. Felt a violent reaction. I love the wheel so much. Alright, Chris. You will be watching The Humanity Bureau, which is a 2017 movie starring Nicolas Cage and the Cheeto Man. What? Okay. Look, this is the only one of these eight that I've seen. So, uh, have fun. Alright, Parker. I feel like I remember you talking about that one. I talked about it on the show. Loyal listeners may remember. I thought so. But, uh... Alright, let's see. <laughs> Man, that's <laughs> close. <laughs> Jesus. Alright, Parker, you will be watching Vibes, which is a movie from 1988 that stars Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper. Man, Don't worry what? about it. I have to. Alright, let's Can spin the spin wheel for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it lets me do this. <laughs> did right. you experiment to make sure that it would do that? I, I did not. That was that was very new to okay. me. A Good Night That's to good. Die is a movie from 2003. A um, action comedy thriller starring Michael Rappaport and Ralph Macchio. No. 
<laughs> oh no! All right, how many Michael Rappaport movies? It's only the two. Right. We're out of things on the thing. Like you're good. Okay. All right, now, okay. gentlemen, would you like to trade any movies or content yes. with one Parker, another? Parker, could I trade? Could I? Could I trade uh, a Good Night to Die and slash or the Humanity Bureau for Family Guy season seventeen episodes ten and eleven? I'll take the Humanity Bureau. I'm not watching two movies for two episodes. <laughs> it's not happening. Okay, season 17, episodes 10 to 11. And those are locked yes, in. That's, that's done. I, you guys want to do any other trades like, you can, but it's up to you. I would... No. Uh, I would like... I'm not taking on double Rappaport. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I, I have to admit, so the reason I took Family Guy season 17, episodes 10 and 11, is uh, uh, twofold. One... I never really got into Family Guy, but I guess I can kind of appreciate it. Like, some other people are into it. Um, I, I guess I just preferred South Park. Uh, but, like, I, you know, maybe it'll be good. It's like, it's comedy, it's anime, I like animation, and the other reason is that you guys are talking it up, like, episodes 10 to 11. Is this gonna, I'm hoping it'll be, like, the Boston episode, where, like, they win the Super Bowl or something. So, let me, let me put it this way. I was watching a movie on demand earlier in the week. It ended... And, like, I didn't press any buttons for ten minutes, so it just defaulted what was on demand, like, on whatever the channel was on my cable. And I saw the last 30 minutes of part two of this two-part episode. Sorry, the last 30 seconds, not 30 minutes. That would be right. a crime against myself. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was so profound on me that I had to tell people about it. And they're like, that's not real. So I looked it up to see what the context was. Found out it was the end of a two-part Family Guy episode from 2019... That I think you will very much enjoy. Oh no, it's from 2019? 2019. <laughs> oh god, I was hoping it'd be from like 2009. Chris, I want to do you a favor. I want to read you one and only one line from the description of these okay. two episodes. I, d like, like, let, let's not give too much away though, right? I will not give too much away. I will say literally only the last line of part two of this episode. In the finale, the Griffins break the fourth wall to encourage Americans to read the, read the Steel dossier. <laughs> okay. Alright. I expected that. Should I send him the picture? No. Okay. No. Absolutely not. Now, as... I don't even think I've earned it. That's going to do it for the Dragon Balls this season. We have a Super Bowl coming up. So, um... I know that Chris has the Buccaneers and Parker has the Chiefs. And that will be binding for the result of the Super Bowl. Somebody getting to assign a movie, no matter what. But I'm going to give everybody a chance to, uh... Pick who wins the Super Bowl. You pick the winner, you get to assign a movie. You pick the loser, you get assigned a movie. And yes, those stack. You can't pick nothing. Hmm. Uh, do I cover my bases or double down? Oh, I. Mm. I'm doubling down. Let's do this. You taking the Chiefs, Parker. Double Chiefs. Let's go. You know what? Let's double dip. I don't feel super confident, but also, we didn't make it this far. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna double dip at this point. I'm gonna take the buck. So, as any gambling attuned people know, the Chiefs are three-point favorites. But I will be joining Chris on the Buccaneers, because I think they are winning this game. So, uh... 
I do as well, but I'm I, no coward. I respect the hustle. So, if Parker wins, he gets to assign a movie for having the Chiefs throughout the playoffs. He gets to assign a movie for the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. And Chris and I both have to take a movie on for picking the Bucks. But, if it goes the other way, Chris gets to assign a movie for having the, the Bucks the whole way, and one for the Super Bowl, and I get to assign one for the Super Bowl, and Parker has to take on a movie for the Chiefs. So, I guess we'll see what happens. The Queen's Court. <laughs> oh, he hasn't seen it yet, has he? No, he hasn't. <laughs> hey, Chris, you're a gambling man, aren't you? No. I'd like to propose something your way, my good friend. I'm going to give you an opportunity to take one of those movies off Snake Way, but it will come at a challenge. <laughs> I'm about to DM you something. It is poetry written by one Ernest Klein, author of your two favorite books. If you can, in this call, read this start to finish without laughing, oh boy. you will have trouble. Also, this okay. has to be in the episode. It doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Oh, absolutely. No, whoa, wait, is this one of those oh, the message rape ones is too long, huh? Jinkies. Let me split this up for you. Okay. Give me one hot second. Take your time. I'm actually looking at the rest of the stuff on the Snake Way. There's really nothing. There's not much. All I have left is Old Boy, Through the Looking Glass, Elizabeth Warren thing, uh, and Kangaroo Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, this is long. Alright. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I think... Uh, I'll tell you what, I, I'll... Should I do it in a voice? Should I, uh... You can do whatever voice makes you comfortable. Okay, I'll do it in my Bonzo voice. Do it in your Yoda voice. If you can just make it through the start to finish, you can take off whatever you want. Do not do it in the Bonzo <laughs> voice. This is my one rule. Sorry. Okay, let's hear this. Oh my god, this recording's been going for three hours. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just okay. like a 40-line poem. No, this, this shouldn't be long. I've noticed that there don't seem to be any porno movies that are made for guys like me. All the porn I've come across was targeted at beer-swilling sports bar-dwelling alpha males. Men who like their women stupid and submissive. Men who can only get it up for monosyllabic, cock-hungry nymphos with gargantuan breasts and a three-word uh, vocabulary. Present. Adult films are popular... Did, did you have something to say? No, sorry, I coughed. Adult films are populated with these collagen-injected, liposuctioned women, many of whom have resorted to surgery and self-mutilation in an attempt to look the way that they have been told to look. These aren't real women. They're objects. And these movies aren't erotic. They're pathetic. These vacuum-headed fuck bunnies don't turn me on. They disgust me. And it's not that I'm against pornography. I mean, I'm a guy, and guys need porn. Fact. Like a preacher needs pain, like a needle needs a vein. Guys need porn. But I don't want to watch this misogynist he-man woman-hater porn. I want porno movies that are made with guys like me in mind. Guys who know that the sexiest thing in the world is a woman who is smarter than you are. You can have the whole cheerleading squad. I want the girl in the tweed <laughs> skirt and the I, I heard it, I heard glasses. it, I heard it. Betty it's starting to happen. the valedictorian. Oh yes, first I want to copy her... Tr- Oh my sorry. I can't. I can't. I was, you know, the whole, the worst part about it is I was going to like end the whole thing with, uh, oh, never mind. No, I wasn't. That's actually way longer than I expected. Uh, I was going to end the whole thing with saying, 
Oh, anyway, uh, where's our poem, Parker? I was just kind of talking. Well, we should add helmets then, too. <laughs> just just yeah. free-forming. I, man, I did a really good job. Wrote, I, I was trying really hard. That many lines about, hey, what if there was porn with, like, hot nerd girls? It gets... No, it's no, it's worse, though, because it's like... Betty Finnebowski, which is which is the one that broke me, which is the one that got like, me. Oh, yeah, guys who know that the sexiest thing in the world is a woman who, are, who is smarter than you are. You can have the whole cheerleading. So I want the girl in the tweed skirt and the horn rimmed glasses. Betty Finnebowski, the valedictorian. No, yes, for someone to copy your trick homework. Then I want to make mad, passionate love to her for hours and hours. Congrats, man. Until just, just in my kind of porno movies. <laughs> Until she reluctantly asks if we can stop because she doesn't want to miss Battlestar Galactica. Oh Summa cum laude, baby. That is what I call erotic. Oh. But do you ever see that kind of woman in a contemporary adult film? No, is this... which is why I'm going to start writing and directing geek porno. Is this before or after <laughs> Ernest went to Africa? <laughs> I shall be the quintessential nerd porn auteur, and the women in my porno movies will be the kind that drive nerds like me mad with desire. Mm, good sex, I'm talking this about is. The gr- <laughs> I'm talking about the girls that used to fuck up the grading curve, the girls in the Latin club and the National Honor Society. That's not Chicks with weird clothes, braces, four eyes, and 4.0 GPAs. Brainy, articulate uh, bookworms with Mensa cards in their purses and chips on their shoulders. My, he's like at like a uh, like a poetry slam trying to read all this and expecting that he's going to get some yas queens out of this. What and the fuck? Like you got a four and you got an A in fucking AP US history. Why do you watch Vanderpump Rules? <laughs> There's just someone in the background just playing a little bongo <laughs> drums behind My yeah. porn starlets will come in all Doug shapes sister. and sizes. My porn starlets will be too <laughs> yes. busy working on their PhD to go to the gym. In my kind of porno movies, the girls wouldn't even have to get naked. They just take the guys down to the rec room and beat them repeatedly at chess, and then talk to them for hours about Heisenberg's uncertainty principle or the underlying social oh metaphors God. in the Aliens movies. Buy stock in some hand cream companies because there is about to be a major shortage. Did oh, thanks, wait? Reddit. Did he mean to write that? <laughs> did he? He just he just said he had a little dick. There's going to be a major shortage. <laughs> Mr. Klein, what did I say about stock stock? <laughs> you are canceled. I do appreciate the fact that Ernest Klein hates cam as much as we do, though. Major shortage. Okay, so and I'm got him. And I'm not just talking about straight porn. Oh, no. See, that's the thing. It's like the way that this goes is like the way that he's writing is. And I'm not just talking about straight porn. Oh, no. But I just read his. Oh, I no. show mucho love. It's a whole to page of. <laughs> just wanting an emotional girlfriend to play video games with. There you. should be. Fuck, but it's pornography. There should be fuck films for my nerd brethren of all sexual orientations. Gay nerd. Please just like... just beat me at chess and tell me how fucking stupid I am. Gay nerd porn flicks with I mean, titles like Dungeons and Drag Queens. And then this idea is a fucking gold mine. And then grow to nine foot six. Because this country is full of database programmers and electronics engineers, and they aren't getting the loving they so desperately need. And you can help. Yeah. If you're an intelligent woman, and you're interested in breaking into the adult film industry. And if you can tell me the name of Luke Skywalker's home planet, then you are hired. Hoboken. It doesn't matter if you think you're overweight or unattractive. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you think you're beautiful. You are beautiful. And I will make you a star. 
Man, Doug's sister's a good call. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a beatnik sitting around while this dude talks. Okay, wait, 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 guys, guys, guys. The hat, the sad kids left halfway through to go to a less than Jake concert. <laughs> Same. Parker. <laughs> yum, yum, that yum. is the hardest physical challenge of my life. You read through that out loud without laughing. I feel disgusted most of the way in there. I was it's, I was working really hard. I thought, oh, if I can just read this and no, but he's, a, do he's it. maybe acting really is hard. Maybe we should be a little bit easier on Prince. He's he's <laughs> the nerve to have all of this and just say fuck films. Like how dare you? This is oh my god. This is really really fucking insulting, isn't it? No, he respects them. That's why he wrote all this. Oh right, yeah, I forgot. Uh, first, I want to copy her trig homework, and then I want to oh make. Oh my god! It keeps going. For hours and hours. No, 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 no! no. Oh, I'm, re- I'm rereading it. No, that that it. When he says, "And I will make you a star," that's the end of it, which uh, is one of the creepiest things. Remember, like in Casper, which is remember the movie haunting. Remember, the, yeah, speaking of haunting, remember the movie Casper where he whispers to Christina Ricci, "And I keep you." It's like that's like the whole vibe. Dude, of this like. Thing. I'm so here for fucking <laughs> Ready Player Two to be NC seventeen. So <laughs> oh, dude, that's a I'll make dude, you. A that star. is legitimately in play. Like, there's a lot of talking about having sex in that. Gross. Book. Yeah, that's the last thing I could possibly. Want I shall be book. the quintessential nerd porn auteur, geek porno. <laughs> How many lockers does this dude show? Look at that wacky cock! (laughs) You you think think he would write a book about the geeks if we said it to him? Dude, he lived it. If I I had made it to the line, Summa cum laude, baby, I probably would have sighed really loud. Like, do you think he knows that Eddie Gordo has the best fighting style of all time? I de- I deserve a mulligan on this because you guys made me laugh with your laughter. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> you can make your pick on what you don't want. No, uh, I think I'll just get through it. Sorry, I came really hard because I uh, was masturbating. I was... Oh, you found a good fuck film with nerds. No, in it. I was that. Honestly, they were talking about Heisenberg's uncertainty principle if... and the underlying social metaphors in the Aliens movies. Can... If any woman ever spoke to me about that again, I'd never... Can we just, never, like, mail Ernest Vaughn a bunch of grainy fucking VHS tapes of Batman vs. Harley Quinn? Can we just, like, mail him a bomb or something? <laughs> Let me talk to my good friend Tommy Lee I'm just Lee doing Jones. the Arthur fist. Not that, but still. <laughs> Burner. Dude, I'm gonna be thinking about that fucking El Camino with the shamrock painted on the doors until the day I die. It's so goddamn funny. Can we please just imagine Ernest Cline at one of these, like, poetry slams and just imagine being in the audience. Would you rather be at a Prince concert or <laughs> Ernest Cline reciting this poem for the first time? I hope it's a literal poetry slam. And someone just 3Ds them through a fucking table. <laughs> I fucking hate this dude. It, if you can tell me the name of Luke Skywalker's home planet, it's it's Namek. Everyone knows that. Are we in the business here? Are we done with this episode, guys? That's the tea, sis. Do you guys want some grapes?